I'm Mark. Bog Beef. Today we're joined by the the man Samuel Finlay. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> I can't complain. How are you, boys? Uh, doing great. Th- th- this is awesome interview to do. It's kind of, you, you ever have this thing in, in you know they, they say when you're 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 a great writer. So I'm sure you know when this thing in writing or telling jokes and stuff. They say like mm, that's too on the nose. You know that you know that thing. Yeah. It, it, I don't know about great writer, but I, I I met some interesting people and I I got to write about them. But I, I appreciate no, no, it. No, thanks though. You you, <laughs> you are a great writer. And I'll I'll, t- I'll I'll give you I'll give people an example. And by the way, so you have a new piece out in I am underscore seventeen seventy six on Twitter is I think their handle. But anyways, it's I am seventeen seventy six dot com. They've had uh uh you know Gord's I've been on there. Oron's been on there, right? Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm pretty a, sure. a lot of our friends have been on there. Yeah. Um, no, so I, I can tell you why, because uh, here's one. So I love Rome. Everyone knows I love Rome. Uh, uh, it's just a very big interest for me. Uh, I have to like really, really like somebody to like want to hear them give a uh, fall of Rome analogy. You know, like, uh, I mean, I, I, that's it's really hard to make a good follow. Like if someone says, well, this is just like the fall of the Roman Empire. Like, look, buddy, like this is, uh, you know, this is like an impossible joke to tell. Like, don't just <laughs> give it up. Uh, and one of these things is uh, something very close to like that is a wrestling metaphor. You don't know how many times I've had, I mean, in real life, drunken people tell me, you know, politics is just like wrestling. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That, you know, that son of a bitch, Bill Clinton, he just like uh, 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 Ric Flair, you know. Like, <laughs> everybody's heard this shit. So, you know, as soon as I started, I'm like, okay, well, this, this, is, a, this is a tough thing. But, but you, I mean, you did really well. That was the first round where I was, and, uh, man, I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, uh, you know, you said at the end, this is something I've never heard because, like I said, everyone's heard this stuff about. I'll just quote you in, in one interview when he was discussing. Shout out to Jim Cornet, by the way, that was impressive. I hate his r- real ones know who, but he's. So, <laughs> yeah. I love hearing him rant. He was discussing kayfabe or the illusion that once masked their business and caused people to believe what they saw was real. He remarked something to the tune of, "Once you've broken kayfabe, it's over." I take comfort in that. I hope that as this deadly farce plays out, more and more Americans will come to the grips with the fact we've been lied to, have been lied to, and have been for a long time. Uh, okay, that's really punchy. That's a lot more than, uh, uh, you know, uh, Obama is is like, uh, you know, Ric Flair. <laughs> I appreciate that. Although the mental imagery of Ric Flair, that we missed a good president whenever we lo- whenever he decided to take up pro wrestling. Oh yeah, Although, oh, love Rick Flair. Though, I'm going to hold out hope is it, for Stone Cold Steve Austin as an American Caesar. Like if we got to have a Caesar, I want <laughs> I want him. But, but I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Stone Cold is like a really good uh, uh, podcaster too. Yeah, and I, I tell you, he's because he's he's got a head for business, but he's but he's got the support of the people. You like, gosh, hearing him talk with Paul Heyman about me, like hooking up with like. You know, locking horns with Brock Lesnar and doing like a Texas death match. Like watching that, I'm like I know this is fake, but it's like God. I like I'm caught up in it now. Like, what's a Texas death match? Like, you know, and you start getting all caught up in it. But I could run on Stone Cold, so I must I'm gonna dial it back. What Rick Rick, Rick Flair is doing is like a, a, a you know, it's a gimmick that comes from a guy named George Gordis George, which is like you know, who cares? Why would you care about that? Well. Like the guy who started out doing Ric Flair's gimmick was like one of the most famous people in America. Like everyone in America wanted to kill this guy. Yeah. 
you know, and, uh, and, and you know, it's uh, you like got like the bad guy. Stone Cold is like the last wrestling figure that I could actually name off the top of my head. He's like, you know, you think about it, he had the whole package for like the, for the end of the Attitude Era. He had the goatee chugging, uh, he chugging beers, and he uh, had to quit because of back problems. Like that's a so that's a Southern man through and through, right? Yeah, like, every one of those things. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if you watch the man, if you watch the WWF today, it's like uh, some gay ash performance yeah. art. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Like you, you know, going back to Cornette, um, and again, I, I I can't stand that man's politics. It's like it like gives you AIDS listening to it. But but it's he's he's on in, in that back then. That was sort of the end of whenever it was. It, it these were grown men who who. You believe to a degree, like like if those men fought, it would. If if they fought you, you'd 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 be in for it. Like they'd be a threat. Yeah. Like these are serious people, and you really wouldn't want to fight them. Like like Stone Cold Steve Austin is like this is like this like big bald headed redneck who's like getting drunk and flipping people off. And you're like, I, I could see him doing that. <laughs> but like some of these people, mm-hmm. it's like it's like the theater kids, but you know with abs or whatever. And you're like like this. You don't scare me. You know. <laughs> like, you know what it's like. So you know, in your book, you had a um, you had a thing with a stripper, right? So, yeah, yeah. We've all been we've all been there. <laughs> Which, by the by the way, like you know, a stripper is kind of like um, you don't need to know everything about a stripper to like you know get a feel for a personality. You know, you don't need to know that she went that she went to Brown instead of you, you know instead of Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's it's, it's not really going to change your um uh, your assessment of her. the other thing like that. I'm gonna give you two different clues about someone's personality. You can tell me which one you would know more about their personality. So, uh, first, the uh, clue A is that it's a black guy. Okay, clue B. Is that the guy is a staff sergeant uh, in the Marine? I know the answer to this, but I mean, I'm sorry. I, I'm curious. With, with Sam, would you agree with this? What's that? Uh, uh, the, the the option B tells you way more about someone's personality. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I mean, I, I don't know. So, you ever seen? Um, you know, Beavis and Butthead. They had uh, Coach Buzzcut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you know, you, I have uh, the judge, and, the jury, and the jailer. Yeah, I remember Buzzcut. And the you know the point of buzz cut is that it's that like well you know there's like a a, a professional personnel that comes with being like a, a staff sergeant in the Marines were for twenty years yeah you know they they all like they need to become the same guy so they all you know, become the gym the same teacher guy. too if you think about it I mean it, it, male or female you're going to have that same haircut and you you're going to have a, a a love of women right so in other words <laughs> NCOs often have this, or similar personalities because they need to to get their job done. And so do strippers. And so, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm sure, Sam, you and um, I'm sure you and that stripper have, got happily married after uh, ever after, right? Oh, no, no. It it, oh. <laughs> it ended bad. Oh, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I was I was thinking about this you know, as, as you know, thinking about getting to you know talk with y'all and everything, and I was remembering that time. And God, I remember after it ended, and I'm standing at Walter Reed, and I my I, you know, I've got this gunshot wound that heals. I may or may not get to keep my hand. My face is disfigured. Uh, you know, I got like these like staples in my head, and like maybe you know, I got this girl who doesn't want to talk to me anymore. And then I've got you know, I haven't even seen my assault pack in like two weeks. 
because it's, you know, left up at the hotel. And like, I'm, I may have to like lose all my savings to pay for this rental car. And I'm standing in the, in the line at, you know, to get my, get my lunch at Walter Reed. And I'm thinking like, God, I'm like in a country song. Like, like that is my life. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, it didn't go well. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> and when I was talking about being on, too on the nose, I mean, so there's like, a, we were talking about this a little bit before, you know, when you talk about politics and stuff online, um, you know, these guys, like, uh, I don't know, they, they, I'm not saying anything bad about them, but like a lot of people come from a different world. Uh, they come from like, you know, uh, uh, they got all these big colleges and stuff like that. Um, like attorneys and stuff. There's another world. And like, so and you're like, just like a, a very, you went on the Mr. Wilds ride of like, uh, of, like the working class Southern man. So like, uh, I didn't, one of my best friends, uh, from high school, uh, we spent a lot of time together. So he was a guy, uh, he joined the, he joined the army reserves. He was, he was washing cars, you know, in my local town. He wasn't a dumb guy or anything, he, but he, the only thing he could get a job doing was washing cars to join their army reserves. And then, you know, there's, um, you know, they had all these different wars. So they need him. So he ends up like he's in the reserves, but he's like, you know, in Iraq the whole time, uh, you know, in Af- Afghanistan, he, uh, whenever he was home, we would get, um, uh, he would give us all the, uh, MREs we wanted. So, uh, sorry, uh, us army, but, um, <laughs> uh, those things are, uh, those things are pretty damn good these days. But, um, anyways, uh, uh, when it was all over for him, and it ended, uh, he didn't. I don't think he didn't, he didn't go Afghanistan. He it ended for him in Iraq, and um, well, you know, he uh, before he went there, he had married his high school sweetheart, beautiful woman. Uh, mm. They didn't. They you know they'd been together since they were like sixteen. Well, when he was gone, you know, she hooked up with uh, Jody, as they say. Oh man, mm. it, you know, it's hard to have these conversations with these guys, and this this is just one guy, but this is like. If you're if you're a guy if you're a working class guy in the south you got a lot of homies like this or this is you and he was in and out of medical stuff I, you know he didn't lose a leg or anything he wasn't shot he's not overweight or anything but like he can barely walk and he says like it's something wrong with his nerve he's got a nerve disorder or something it, uh, it you don't know what anyways you know you know this kind of stuff I'm talking about right yeah. You know, all this shit these people talk about online, like, well, let's just fucking go to war. Let's just do this. Let's just yeah. do that. Uh, these guys aren't paying the bills. These, these are the guys that are paying the bills. And we've, we've never really, uh, uh, until until I've seen your stuff, like, I've never really seen a, someone, a soldier that, that, that's been this much. I mean, I'm, maybe this went on in the Vietnam era or whatever. I mean, you, you're kind of real with, 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 with like what this what this empire is doing and all this kind of stuff. Because let me leave one last thing. Because like, all right, so all, there's all that heavy stuff I just told you. There's another like personality that goes around. So like, uh, I the other thing is in the South, the like the military per, the military personality, the military guys and stuff. Uh, they get a lot of respect. They kind of define like their, their culture and stuff. You know, I talk to these guys all the time. You know, the past week, past week or two, I, I talked to guys in my work that were, uh, you know, they were in the service and all of them. And just remember, all these guys are like super right wing, uh, you know, on paper or whatever. But uh, they've all been like hoarding ammunition and stuff. And, you know, this guy, Joe Biden, is going to do this. He's going to do that. Like, you know, bordering on Alex Jones stuff. But in this, in, in like, that's totally normal. That's that's exactly what it's like. You go talk to a random uh, a guy in the South. They're going to be like that. They're going to have, like, borderline or Alex Jones views. But then when this topic came up, they were all like, oh, we got to fucking go to war now. We're going to go rack them and stack them. We got to go fuck those Russians up. 
And I was like, final, the capstone for this was that when the House voted on this, uh, Republicans voted like 400 to 10, uh, 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 you know, to to impose these sanctions or whatever, which once again, you know, it won't be my, it won't be my it won't be my buddy paying the price, but that'll just be all of us paying the price of just being poor. Well, okay, the the thing that made it makes it different than Vietnam, and like this is going to sound bizarre to say maybe, but after they got rid of conscription, uh, having these wars meant that you would have. Not a hundred percent, but mostly exactly the people like our kind of people would be fighting and dying in these wars. A, a solo, like there, there would be no risk that you you would get your your, your number would come up and they would draft uh you know your kid who was planning on going to um uh, Columbia or whatever, right? Like this is this only going to be the chuds who go to the who go to the recruiting office out right out of high school. I. I feel like they that was um, it was perceived like when they got rid of the draft. It's like this is a great beneficial thing for our country, but I'm not entirely sure it was. Is, is, is that an insane thing to say, Samuel? Uh, I don't know. I am because I, I'm kind of divided on that issue. Because I, on one hand, I, I don't like the idea of the of the state being able to just like lay claim on you and just like you know you're going to go belong yeah. to us for a couple of years. On the other hand. I, I think there's, you know, like like Robert Heinlein makes that argument in Starship Troopers, you know, it was that if you want to say in the body politic, you need to pay for that right. You need to earn that, and, and not with money, but like with your blood. You know, you need to be willing to sacrifice for, you know, for your ability to, to say, you know, whether or not we need to engage in violence or, or make sacrifices or, or whatever that may be. Because um, otherwise you get what we get, what we have now is you've got this sort of managerial class. Um, and, and I... I it's kind of an inside baseball term, but I, I think it's as good as any. Um, but you know, you've got this class of people who don't think in terms of countries, or, or which I may have to chase a rabbit for a second. Go for it. The the unit that I that I was in uh, in, in the Tenth Mountain, um, they had a um, they they had sort of like a fraternal organization uh, that started in World War II for the unit, and it was started by you know by the officers. Yeah, they got together. We're gonna. We served in this unit, and so we're. You know, now that we're civilians, we're gonna. You know, get together. We're gonna take care of each other. And then uh, when the Vietnam War came up, they expanded it to include uh, the enlisted and NCOs as well. Well, now you know you got all these. You know these these boomers who you know went to Nam, and they are trying to you know get some of us from you know the you know, the GWAT generation uh, to come in and join this organization. And, and that was really interesting because you'd you'd see these like these guys who you know they're you know these they're, they're boomers and you know they're in their like sixties or whatever and they start talking about being nineteen years old and drafted and being in country just in time for the Tet Offensive, and it was like you would like yeah. you would watch them become a young man again, um, and so uh, they they invite us to come up and we we go to the you know one of their annual meetings and uh, there's this one guy giving a speech and he was he he, meant, he used the words God and country. And he used it in an unironic way. This is a sincere man who, uh, as a young man, his country called on him, and he answered that call. And he, he knew people who died. Um, and, and that was, it, it marked him so much. Here now as a grown man, as a grandfather, he's devoting himself to this organization. And I remember getting mad because at the time I was in college, and I'm you know, getting all this IR theory type stuff thrown at me. And I know for a fact nobody on the other side of that man's oath thinks in terms of countries let alone God. Like, these things don't figure into their calculus. 
And it, they've got these theories of how the world's going to work and how, you know, the, you know these things are like outdated social technology and eventually we're going to integrate, get integrated yes. into all this post-national managerialist, you know, whatever. And like, and, 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 and they know that. And they know we, we believe in these things and they'll manipulate them. And uh, there's a buddy of mine named, uh, he ran under the handle Minkin. He's, he had this line where he would say, Southerners are the Janissaries of the managerial class. And, and that, is, that is a fact. And I, I think they, they, we love this thing like nobody else, and yet this thing hates us. <laughs> like like it, it runs out the flag, and it'll talk about our freedoms and all this stuff. And, and we hear that, and we think of like, you know, th- like our, our, our family story of coming here and like the wars that were fought or the sacrifices or, or whatever. And it's like we think that's what, that, what, that's what is meant. That's what's at stake. And it's not. Like this is like this is a gimmick that they work and that they know we'll come out for. Um, and then we get betrayed um, and, and we get blamed for it. Like with the ones that, you know, with Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, I remember how the left was. And it was it Green Day had that song, American Idiot, and they had that line of redneck agenda. I remember thinking, like, that's the most yeah. ridiculous thing. Like, 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 we've got, like, like, the Dixie Mafia with Confederate gold, and they're, like, they're secretly influencing <laughs> U.S. politics. It's like nobody gives a damn what we think. <laughs> we're just yeah, that was, at the Kulak table. <laughs> yeah, they made a fucking rock opera anti-war album, and then, uh, <laughs> and then hey, just we're just throwing there talking about the redneck agenda, and yeah. it's, it's, it's incredible. Like, who do you think are the people who are actually, you know, in Fallujah getting getting their asses shot? <laughs> and, and and Samuel's I am seventeen seventy six piece. I believe you say uh, you, you quote somebody saying that the um, the regime does not have any foreign enemies. It has it has foreign people that re- remind them of their domestic enemies. Yeah, that was a. I, I saw that. Uh, I think it was a. Uh, was it Lee Smith, the guy who uh, wrote the like plot against the president and that sort of thing? He was uh, he was getting interviewed, and David Reboy had retweeted him and said that just to kind of distill what the point he was making. And I thought that's perfect. Like that's that, that's that's I won't say that's all of why they hate you know Russians now all of a sudden I mean like that's there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on with that but I I do think it helps um it's like like they remind them of us um, the kulak that got away <laughs> <laughs> yes when the when Trump when Trump was president especially they they had this that weird thing where like that he was a KGB agent. And that you know he had this special love for Vladimir Putin in Russia, and I, I, I honestly I think that that's part of why uh, the blue team is so on board with these crazy. Like just I think it was yesterday, Facebook announced that for a limited time you are allowed to death threaten Russian Russian citizens. They're just going to allow. We'll let this slide. <laughs> they, and they announced that like a um. Special coupon days or something. You know? <laughs> on, every, on every slob and in, in God, this, east of the Volga. This it's so it's so crazy. Um, like that's a, that's a part of why I wrote that thing, and I hope it came across as somewhat coherent because I was hot and um, I, I was at work and I, I heard somebody reading, you know, like this House resolution here in Oklahoma, and I almost blacked out, like just being mad. Um, I had to get it walk around. <laughs> It's, I, I eventually DM'd Mark over Granza over it there, and I said, "Look, I'm. I think I might have something in the tank, because um, this is this is. 
I, I, I enlisted in 2000. Um, you know, this is, you know, still Bill Clinton was still president. There was still that post-war army. And then suddenly we have, you know, the war on terror and all that stuff. And then, you know, all these weird little culture wars that followed along with it. And now that's finally ended. And God, it's like they're wanting to do the same thing over again. Um, and, and, and we are not in the position we were 20 years ago. Um, and, and this is just, this is obscene. And the stakes that are getting played, and the the complete childishness um, that that the, these 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 leaders I, I I can't even call them that um, are, are showing, you know, like I, kind of making a joke that that you know U.S. politics is it's like pro wrestling, and I think it is, and that's that's tragic, um, <laughs> given the given the kind of power that the country has, or whatever you call this thing, that that is not a luxury we can afford. Um, I, like that's just insane. Being a soldier is uh, fighting in war was the way that you got a voice for the past two thousand years. Yeah, um, you were you were involved in politics if you fought in war, and you and if you didn't, you were. That was kind of like it. And then on top of that, like um, I don't know how to describe it. So uh, yesterday, uh, for no like, there's no reason at all. I wasn't doing any political research or something. I'm not in the military or something. I spent like an hour looking at the new C-130 variants. Uh, this is, um, <laughs> I don't know if you see, uh, and like, I, 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 I couldn't tell if they were, if they were still combat useful or not. It seems like they were, um, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, have you seen the, so they have these, the, the C-130s where they, they put huge guns on them and um, they're, they're very slow and they, they, they do this special pivot turn. They just sort of fly in place and just shell places. You know, you know about these ones? Yeah, the AC-130, right? Okay, yeah, sorry, AC-130. And I was like, you know, part of me is like, oh, that's so badass, man. Uh, uh, I, I was looking, you know, have you seen the, um, the F-22 can, um, can like almost fly in place uh, because of, you know, using thrust vectoring and stuff. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, this is fucking badass, man. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, this like 20% of the United States budget has gone into this shit. Um, I get, you know, I get like a, 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 a grainy glimpse of 480p YouTube's action feel. I feel very like I could imagine them looking at me, looking at us through, through, you know, through these like, look at, look at these retards. You know, they're, they're, they're so impressed by, by this. Uh, and you know, the other thing growing up in the South. So, uh, in terms of like, should you join the military? Shouldn't you join the military? Like the main thing that people would say is like, well, you're going to get on that. You're going to have it made because you're going to be, you're going to have tri-care. <laughs> As everyone knows, there's nothing. I mean, that is the Cadillac of, of, of health yeah. insurance. So you, you know, you can just uh, quit showing up to your, you know, to your uh, your busboy job for months. You'll still have that damn Tricare. <laughs> yeah, God, that that there's a couple things you said in there that that got me thinking. Uh, you're talking about you know how you get jazzed up, you know, about some of these these innovations or whatever that they're incorporating the C130. Um, it takes me back to airborne school. Um. And, and it just like as a guy, like like you get like there's things about like the military and war that just speak to you, you know, uh, like you know looking at cool swords or armor or whatever from antiquity, um, or or even like nowadays with you know cool planes. I, I remember being in airborne school, and I, I was just a five jump chump, so like I don't. There's some of the boys in like high speed airborne units, and I I was never on their level. Just I got my they did, I did airborne school, and that was it. Um, but you go, I remember going up in like my first jump. 
and you know, you're you're in the plane and everybody's all like packed tight together and you know, you have like some guy you know down the road down on the end of the row throwing up into a bag and having to put it in his t-shirt or whatever <laughs> and and you're up there and then you know Sergeant Airborne which I think is a badass name like 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 what do you do for a living oh, I'm Sergeant Airborne <laughs> you know like he gets up and he's like, all outboard personnel stand up and everybody stands up and, and then you know then you know go 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 and it, it's like in the movies you know you're handing you flip <laughs> and you're jumping out and suddenly you know the the prop wash catches the you know the, the parachute and suddenly boom there's there's you're just floating on canvas and air and you're just riding that down into like it, it, onto the to the ground and, and you know this is at fort benning georgia and, and you're just, you're floating on down and then you, you hit the ground and then you, you know, you, you go through all your procedures, but it's like being up in that plane and then jumping out of it was just so cool. Or like the shit hook. Oh I love, yeah. I love the shit hook. This, the, you know, the Chinook. And God, I, I would, uh, just because like my squad leader who, it was a fellow Virginian Merrick. Uh, he was, uh, yeah. he was like the, in case of war break glass guy. He like, he should have been a platoon sergeant, but he punched a lieutenant. <laughs> But so he got <laughs> down to, to like, you know, just a buck sergeant. Like he was that kind of guy. The former Marine Corps made his bones in the, uh, made his, what was it? Uh, the, the first Gulf War. And then he like went up to New Jersey to be with his wife and hung drywall long enough to say, fuck this. And then he enlisted in the army, did like every hardship to her. And like somewhere out there in Virginia is a guy driving a FedEx truck who was like a genuine American hero. And um, who like, I, I saw that man put his back to gunfire to patch my heart up. And, and like went in to like go, he, he went in, he led a team in, him and the LT led a team in through the roof to retrieve one of our, one of our guys um, in the middle of a firefight. So like that guy is something. But uh, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm going to ramble on, you know, Uncle, oh, brother Sam's going to tell war stories until like 3 a.m. But, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah you, can, you can do that, by the way, uh, if you want to. <laughs> I won't subject y'all to that, but, um, but, but because of him, it, like he, they would always want him to like, be up front and because he and I had a kind of shorthand um, he would put me up on point and so a lot of times you know we'd be up front doing stuff and we were always at the back of the bird you know the the, 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 the helicopter in this case and so you know we'd be sitting near the ramp and the you know, the ramp would be down and they would have you know some sort of a heavy gun and there'd be a guy straddling the gun his feet just dangling off into the air you know with the ramp down and you'd be it was like flying on this magic carpet and you would just be seeing Afghanistan float under you. And it felt like being in a Western of just like the freedom and your boys and the weapons. And you're just like, just terrassing around looking for the shit. And God, it was like, there's not a day goes by where I don't miss that part of it. Um, yeah, that, so that's how they get yeah, you. Yeah. Well, cause that'll never, that you, you could not, if you wanted to make that not cool. Like that, that's just a basic human experience that we've, t- we've talked about this before, but I was someone who was actually there. I'd like to get confirmation about this, that I've heard that like all those war movies that were made uh, by anti-war directors with the intention of making people like, you know, become anti-war, like, you know, apocalypse now, full metal jacket. I- I've heard that people in the military love that shit. And like, they watch it. That's like an, a recruitment film for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't. They, yeah, I think the director didn't understand yeah. human nature when he made it. Yeah, well, it's like talking about pro wrestling. There's this cool thing where there's somebody asked Jim Cornette, like, you know, how do you make a heel? How do you make a baby face? And he says, like, the way you make a heel is fine. Is you get a guy like think about what what is despicable. Think about what people do not like. What they what disgusts them. And you have the guy do that. 
or as far as making a baby face, it's think about what people admire, you know, what people respect and what they look up to. And you have them do that. You know, like, like a, was it WrestleMania 13? Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret the Hitman Hart do a double turn. Um, Stone Cold goes in as a heel, Bret Hart goes in as a baby face, but because of the way the match plays out, because Stone Cold doesn't quit. You know, even though he's a bad guy, he's flipping people off or whatever, he's disrespectful, because he doesn't quit, you can respect him. And because you respect him, now you like him. Or, you know, he's now a baby face. And that's the way they play on your psychology like that. But so, you know, it, you show guys standing up to adversity or overcoming something or being in a really bad situation and overcoming it. it. Like, you can't help but respect that. And so when you show a war movie like that, it, like there's no real way to do it unless you show somebody being just chicken shit, you know. There, there was something you wrote in your article that really, it, it was, it was like almost an alien concept to me. You were talking about you got sh- you got shot, and I, I guess the, the guy they got the guy who shot you, and you said so you said one of your superiors brought you prayer beads that was taken off his body, right? Yeah. Yeah, my my squad leader, he did that. Yeah, and uh, you were like, you, 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 the way you phrase it in the article, it's like you're like, well, you know, he was a, he was just doing, he was doing what he thought was right, and you know, you had like, this mutual respect for this guy that almost killed you. Like, I, I understand it on like a, a intellectual level, but it's it, it's. <sighs> How, how did, did it take you a while to get there, or was that just a natural instinct that you had to feel that way about it? I, I don't know. I mean, like, because I, I grew up in the church, um, I, you know, like Missionary Baptist Church in the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and all this stuff sounds kind of trite to say, um, and, and to some viewer or viewers, listeners, you know, this might sound kind of hokey, but I mean, like, you're made in the image of God. And everybody is too. Um, and that's not to say like, you know, God still ordained the nations and there's still wars and rumors of wars, but like they're, they're people too. Um, and, and you know, you're in this conflict and, and if you can go about it without hating them, then that's the way to go about it. Um, but uh, I, I, I have, I have a, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for those people. Um, you know, cause you know, for one thing, you know, they're, they're fighting elements and, Afghanistan just geographically is a mean old honky tonk. <laughs> like yeah. like in the summer, you're like 120 degree. I won't even say in the shade because there isn't any. Um, like that's it, a really bad situation. Um, and you know and they're having to like you know fight against the communists and all that stuff. And and so I sympathize. And I'm and and you kind of you know you get in a you think like what I guess kind of going to the issue at hand of. Um, of uh, you know this this you know looming conflict with Russia and how we were being in my first firefight and um, and I'm thinking like, and we were exhausted you know we 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 still hadn't acclimatized to Afghanistan yet I mean to the extent you ever really can um, and you know we'd only been in <laughs> we'd only been in country maybe a month uh, something like that a couple of weeks and we'd been out humping and when I say humping I don't mean like sexual like <laughs> carnal knowledge of Afghanistan, but like, you know, it's, it's a term for, you know, carrying your, your gear. Schlepping. Yeah. We'd been days, you know, <laughs> in like, you know, summertime and, and, you know, we're, they're having, whenever they're airdropping stuff, they had to, you know, they airdrop in body bags. You'll have a, you'll have a helicopter hover and they'll drop, drop these body bags and, you know, then we'll go fetch the body bags and it'll be full of MREs, water, some Copenhagen, uh, they'd started including chapstick because our lips were bleeding. And so that we were out and it's just, it's wearing us down. And then on top of that, we got to go do a firefight. 
and it's it's almost like almost ten thousand feet up above sea level, and and we were sucking hind tit, and and, and you're almost like, you almost want to die just so the suck ends, you know. <laughs> I, remember, I remember laying down and like you know we called in you know air support or whatever, and like we're you know the birds are inbound and they like you hear the sound and you're thinking you know what they could kill me and I could die and you kind of don't care. <laughs> like you think like maybe maybe I should I don't know um but you're you're in this and you're thinking like what in the hell brought this about this makes no sense like I'm supposed to go I'm in this like life or death struggle against this stranger and like I even speak his language <laughs> like what the hell brought this on and um, and you know then you start chasing all the theory and the politics behind it and that's where I start getting mad. Um, but, but as far as, you know, Haji goes, you know, Kudanur, I, I, I like to think he, you know, this is an honorable man. And it, it's sort of like, you know, I, I reference you know, Arjuna, you know, in the book and how I remember reading that in college and that kind of stuck with me. Uh, you know, for those that, that don't know, I mean, there, and there's this you know, old Hindu text, the Mahabharata. And, you know, there's five brothers and it's just like Hamlet situation. Father gets killed. And so these brothers go into hiding and eventually they come to retake their kingdom. And the, the one brother who's just this ace fighter, he's in the middle of this, this war. And it's just there's people who, on both sides who like he's known and loved and who trained him. And he just sees this carnage and his heart just breaks and he stops. And his charioteer reveals himself to be this incarnation of, you know, Krishna or whatever. And he gives him this Job speech of where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? And, you know, that, that for your class, this is your duty. And you need to just, you know, suck it up, be a man and do your job. Which there's a lot of, you know, people will blanch at that. But like, sometimes in life, that's just kind of how it is. Um, and so I, I'm glad I'm alive and <laughs> he's not. But uh, I, can, I can respect him. Um, and, and I hope his people <laughs> find get themselves a measure of peace. I've had someone um, steal CDs out of my car, and I was going to shoot up their house or something crazy like this. <laughs> well, that's different, <laughs> I think. I like because that would make me hot. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, you know, it's like a war. Well, that's different. You know, it's like that's it's sort of like that song that Montgomery Gentry does. Was it uh, where I come from? There's like that line of a couple boys fighting in the parking lot. No. Ain't nobody gonna call the cops. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like sometimes you just gotta let boys fight it out, and it's like I can respect that. But stealing CDs from your car, it's like, well, that's whoa, whoa, whoa. That's you know, like, yeah. like it's one thing if you're trying to kill somebody, and it's like there's like rules, but you know when you go and like stealing and like you know cheating and doing all kinds of crazy weird stuff, well, it's like, well, that's a bridge too far. Like fighting and killing is one thing, but like doing a bunch of dodgy chicken shit stuff. Well, that, you done cross the line, son. There is a classic Lee quote, you know, Battle of Fredericksburg, which was just a, a really one-sided slaughter in the early part of the Civil War. The the Union Army just got absolutely like they they just kept sending their guys in like human wave style. And was supposedly Lee turned to I think uh, Longstreet or somebody and said, you know, it's it's a good it's it, it's good that war is this terrible, or we, we could get too fond of it. He was just disgusted at the slaughter of the you know, the, the enemy, you know the the enemy, but still, I mean, they were his they were his countrymen, you know, a short time before. And like in it's like Samuel said, you know, we are all made in the eyes of God. And I, I guess the, your your point, I get, I understand your point. Like if if they if if he was in Oklahoma, you would have done the same thing as him. You know, they yeah. the, the exact same thing. 
Yeah. I, and it, it's weird because I, I, I'm sure I'm probably projecting some things onto him because you read about like their war against the Russians and like, and I have no doubt it's like some Hodges get up to some pretty wild stuff. Um, but but it's for these ones, I, I'm inclined to think these came from the, like the more hardcore religious types, you know, the, the kind who are, you know, the fighting against Bachabazi and all that kind of stuff. At least in my head, I like to at least give this guy the benefit of the doubt that like <laughs> yeah. he was he was fighting for for honorable reasons. And and Bog, you, to kind of touch swing it back around to something that you'd mentioned, uh, you know, like why you know our kind of people kind of gravitate towards the service, you know. And there's like the allure of like getting like tear ass around in some really cool gear, or uh, you know being in a dead end job and just like, well, this is a move I can make. You know, I'll go roll the dice on you know not getting gimped out. And like maybe I'll you know, be able to pay for college, you know, or whatever, or get the GI Bill or, you know, TRICARE. Um, there's the issue of honor. <laughs> um, and, and that's, yes. and it sounds, again, I, I know, you know, just this kind of circles we run in and there's like, you know, the materialist type stuff, but like honor matters, or at least to a lot Absolutely. of people. Absolutely. And I, that's like the idea of getting you some. Putting some skins on the wall. Yeah. Well, and also, um, you know, you think about like, like my, my people have been fighting in this country's wars since before it was a country, you know, um, like I, we've got blood in this ground and, and, or to just be a man and fight. And, and I, I, like, for instance, my, uh, you know, I was, I was little at the time, uh, but Vietnam was still kind of lingering around. And, uh, I remember my mom overhearing my mom having a conversation with my dad's cousin, the HL. Which some of y'all, some of y'all don't know that's about no South, but uh, we we have a lot of people who have you know initial names and like that's how we address them. But uh, HL uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Louisiana, it'd be like TT, yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. or you get like mixing it up like J Earl, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she's talking with HL, and uh, she's saying, "Well, you know, in like Vietnam, I guess would come up," and she says, "You know, we had a war, and we were to have a draft. I take my boys up to Canada." And HL, he says, he gets serious because HL, he'd done some time himself in, in the service in the Air Force. And he said, little lady, when this country calls, those boys need to answer. Because, you know, that, that's, that's your home. That's your country. These are your people. And, and when, like, when a sacrifice needs to be made, you need to make that or you lose the, the right to call yourself a man. Uh, and that's just how it is. And all of, like the, the gender queer theory or, you know, whatever, like th- <laughs> that ain't going to erase that. Um, so, uh, but, but that when they start, that's what makes me so mad about all this is, is they know this stuff and, and they, they, they hack into these honorable impulses, you know, the, these good impulses or, you know, like we're going to free these oppressed people or we're going to address this wrong. We're going to defend, you know, and like that gets you down in like a visceral level. Yeah. And and they're lying. They have lied about every war we have been in. Um, and and God Almighty, like the, there's a butcher's bill attached to this stuff, and it never gets discussed. And when it does, it's it's our fault because we're these evil warmongering people who are, you know, like always pushing these wars. It's you know the redneck agenda. It's like, asshole, like, like you were the people who started this war. We came out and fought it and like somehow our fault. Um, so it, like, that's why I appreciate y'all's, y'all's. The redneck proverbially doesn't know where these places are on the map. Well, that's why I, I appreciate the way y'all, you know, the rubric that y'all, y'all, y'all try to drive home of politics is patronage. That's ultimately what drives this it, it, it is these patronage networks. 
and we can't ever talk about that um, because we that like that's that that's not for the pros to know. They're they're just support. They're supposed. I'm about to start talking like my dad. That's what they're support to know. You know, is supposed to. They're not supposed to know. Um, we're to be seen and not heard. Um, but but it's these patronage networks who dictate this stuff, and, and they're all globalist at heart. Um, and we can never address that stuff without it being brandished as conspiracy theory or or whatever like that. But it's like, look, there there are interests in this world who get together, and they might not want to advertise that, especially if it's stuff people will not like. Um, and a lot of times there's a butcher's bill attached to it, um, and they don't talk about that either. Um, and so it's it's yeah. like like we're like Mencken had had said that like we're the Janissaries of the managerial class, and I would like to see that stop. Um, yeah, uh, so here's here's an example, and people are like, what do you mean patronage network? So uh, here's one, Merrick. What's that thing where you uh, uh, like Clinton got where you get a scholarship and you go to Oxford? The deferment Rhodes scholarship. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Most people don't know what a Rhodes Scholarship is in particular, but they do know Rhodes Scholar is just a way of saying a genius, right? So, like, well, yeah, he's no Rhodes Scholar, but uh, or you know, my son was uh, uh, you know competing for the Rhodes Scholarship. Well, uh, step one, which we won't get into right now, go look up who Rhodes is. Um, okay, uh, yeah. this, is, this, is a, this is a guy with uh, you know imperial ambitions. But number two, but here, here's the like the, the thing that's that's really really sticky about the Rhodes Scholarship, and you will buy and uh, this is just one thing like this. There's a million things like this, um, and like uh, first off, you will find that lots of people that are very very uh, have a lot of uh, uh, very uh, big opinions about what uh redneck should do with rifles around the world is uh they they went to the road scholarship and you're thinking well it's it's just that if you did good in school and so you get a free ride to oxford uh check this out like you know how like uh if you get the road scholarship you just spend a year in oxford that's really weird so you don't just like like oh i'm i'm at i'm uh, i get a free ride at to take some classes at oxford no you're getting uh you're getting uh 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 you know, it's like a green to gold program for PMCs. Like you're, you're, <laughs> you know, they're going to put you, put you on, you know, yeah. you know, these people, they, they move up. The other thing with the Patriots network is like uh, politics sure makes a lot of sense like this. And this is how we understand politics. This is how, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it, it, to you, there, there's two things that, that this makes me think of it, is in terms of, you know, the stuff going on. Um, I, you know, we're all now looking at a map trying to find Ukraine, but like, look at all the other countries, or even just look at just a, a U.S. map, and like, I guarantee you, there is suffering going on everywhere. We just don't know mm-hmm. about it. We haven't been told to care about it, but suddenly we yes. care about this, and I think it begs the question of why. Like, what? Who? Uh, you know, going back to like the patronage issue of like, who are the pa- What are the patronage networks at work? You know, who are the people who are who? who are ultimately guiding this conflict on, on both sides and, and who, what sort of forces are at work behind them? I mean, like, like if you look at, um, I, I don't want to dox myself too much, but it, like at, at one point I had a job uh, where I would proof leg- proof bills, you know, for the state legislature. Um, and you would see these bills come up and you would know that this didn't originate with, you know, representative Smith from district five or whatever, you know, they got that from somewhere. And it might have been a lobbying group. It might have been something where, you know, the guy saw something on the news and got his lawyer on the phone. Hey, do we, you know, somebody, I I heard about this story, you know, could we, you know, maybe do something like that in this next session or whatever. 
Um, and you know that, that that came from somewhere else. And, and that's what this, it's what's so insidious about this sort of like schoolhouse rock version of politics. It's like, okay, this stuff that goes on up at, you know, whatever like pretty building, you know, hosts this stuff, that's theater. They, they already know before the stuff gets introduced as legislation, whether or not it's going to, what are its chances of making it out of a committee? And if it does make a committee, what's its chances of getting passed? And they already kind of know all this stuff on, on, on the back end. So, like, there's this whole game that happens that, like, we proles don't get to know about. Um, yeah, it's so it's so bizarre. If you have to talk to people who will say, you know, well, the Iraq War was all about Halliburton stock prices, or the Vietnam War was about Bell helicopter and you know, all yeah. these military. But then the 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 the, the, the um, cause du jour happens, and they're just all they're just all in on it, like with without a moment's hesitation or thought about the motives of the, yeah. of the people. We know this place is a casino for all the, the scum of the earth. Well, they, they've got every kind of, uh, and this kind of thing goes on. There's always some place where, where the, where that's where you go. That's where they'll, they'll be the, you know, that called sex tourism and, and it, every kind of little hustle on earth is going on over there. Yeah. And, and that's to say nothing. It's right next door to a great power. And, and, and whatever we may think of, of Russia or China or any of these places, like they have power and they have their own civilization that's got roots that go back before we were even a country. And you have to respect that. And if you don't, you're a fool. Um, There's no point where they're going to accept forever uh, any, any country like this with a great heritage, which, by the way, includes Iran. You know, these, these, like, these things like Iran, things like China, these things are like, uh, uh, you know, ancient. And these these people like this are not going to accept forever being, uh, you know, El Salvador. Yeah. And and, and then, and then I've seen it. There's a lot of arguments that go around and and I sympathize with a lot of them of, of, you know, well, what if the Ukrainians don't wish to be under Russia's, you know, dominion? And I, and I respect that because again, you know, my people, my people fought against the Leviathan back in the day and we lost and that's how I wound up where I'm at. Um, and, and, you know, I, Make you make your peace with it, and you know we we've served the country since then. You know we've been in every one of her wars, just about, um, and we've we've served her to the best we can. But that doesn't negate the fact that like we got a problem with the Leviathan. Um, however, there's only so much we can do about it. And same way with Ukraine, they, they may wish their independence, and that I understand that. But people in hell want ice water and biscuits, and that don't mean you get it. Um, and sometimes you just, <laughs> you just got to try to make do with best you can in out of a bad situation. Um, and it, to, uh, there was another thing in terms of patronage and, and, you know, people kind of, you know, getting on to you about, you know, look at politics that way. It, it may seem vulgar, but I think there's a wisdom in it. Um, and to kind of chase a rabbit for a little bit, um, no shit there I was, Walter Reed. Um, I was there for about a year and a half off and on getting put back together. And I was wounded in March of, uh, oh, good Lord, when was it? Was it oh, oh, 03, maybe? Um, yeah, or op four. I, I forget which. It's been so long. God, it's almost been 20 years. Um, but uh, I, I was there, and Fallujah happened shortly thereafter. And it got really busy to where there weren't enough rooms, and they had to have beds, you know, the, you know, the gurney, people sleeping on gurneys kind of in the hallway. And it got to where you could tell what the op tempo was like downrange, depending on how many people came into the ward. And then you'd see, like, you know, short time later, they would get covered in the news. Um, and so it was, it was kind of wild to see. And it, everywhere you looked, you saw somebody who was wounded in some way or another that, that you 
you never really thought would be possible. Um, cause you, you see movies and a dude gets shot and he just kind of falls to the ground or whatever. And you know, maybe something might not be a little gore, but it doesn't, it's not something you really dwell on, but everybody had something like there was one guy I remember who, uh, sticks out where, uh, I remember looking across the room and seeing this guy who looked like, uh, who's the guy you recently had on metal gear 88. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like metal gear 88 and he was he was walking to an elevator and he was he was missing uh, uh, he had a hole where th- his left cheek was on his face and you, know, you could see like into his teeth and he, he was carrying mm. around this this white hand towel where he would just occasionally you know have to bring it up to catch the drainage and um, you know he was probably there for probably some stray shrapnel or whatever like that uh, and I, there's a point to this so bear with me. Um, but uh, you'd wonder, like, how did he get that, or, or where did, where was he, and how did you know his whole life leading up to that, and what's his life going to be coming off of that? And you would know that that's just one guy, and there's probably like a thousand other guys in this place just like that. Or you know, some woman sits down and talks about how her son just died, and and you know, like, there's nothing unique about that. There's thousands of these people, um, and you wonder, God, why, where? where where did this this butcher bill that we've been presented with? What did that buy? Um, where, who made this up, and why did it? What did we buy with this? What what did we earn? Um, and, and you, the, these people get all hopped up on these these theories and, and these interests and this that and the other. But like, and I and I get that whenever you're talking about conflict at the operational level or strategic, you do have to be dispassionate and you do have to start grinding numbers. And I, and I get all that, but at some point you do have to acknowledge the butcher's bill and you have to respect that. And before you go, you know, and people could say, well, he, you know, this guy's going to you know get paid for the rest of his life. He's going to be on disability or he swore an oath. And it's, that's all true. But that doesn't negate the fact that like somebody, somebody trusted you with their life, that they would serve you even when they didn't want to. And even if it meant their life, and, and they may have to have some really bad consequences. And you, if they give you that trust, and if you want to have that kind of power, you need to respect that trust. And you, you shouldn't betray it. And if you do demand sacrifices like that, God, you, you don't do that carelessly, and you don't do it for some half-baked-ass reason. You want to do it in a way that benefits them. Um, and, and that may seem vulgar, patronage or whatever, but like I, I tell you, I, I, I would not want... This business going on with with Russia and Ukraine, I I respect all parties involved. You know, I'm Scots Irish mostly, and like I, I, I a good feud comes up, you know, that's fine. Let, let it, like I respect that. Y'all got some problems you need to work it out. That's fine. But like, I I I don't want any me and mine getting involved. Um, I mean that that being said, you know, for this this globalist stuff, I I put a rucksack on my back to fight that stuff. Um. So I, yes, sir. I, I'm kind of wandering around a little bit here, but I, but you know, to your point of patronage, if you're going to do, if you're going to ask people to pay a butcher's bill, they need to be getting something for it. It needs to be worth it, and it yes. needs to be in their interests. Um, yeah, you know, this gallivanting across the world—that's a fool's errand because this world is made of suffering. And sometimes, you know, like with that girl, um, <laughs> I, to, it, it, the things I did to try to hold on to her just drew her, drove her away which sounds crazy, but like, that's how it works. 
And sometimes, you know, like I'd mentioned with BAP that, that you know, that guy Simmelweis had, had mentioned idiot compassion. And, and sometimes you know, your, your desire to do good just winds up causing even more pain. And so you have to be incredibly careful, especially when we're talking about war. I mean, my God, like this thing could, things could go horribly wrong uh, real easy. Um, you know, I think, was it Merrick? You were talking about Barbara Tuckman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it like the end of the Belle Epoque, uh, like this could happen so easily. Um, and and I, I, I think something's coming, but God help me, I, I don't want it to be over this. Not now. Um, sorry. I'm going to have the nurse be my bed. <laughs> well, you, when you think about the, the stakes with Russia, and I, I, I don't think this is going to happen, but it could. If there's if, if if you take a, like a group of people and it's probably less than a hundred people, if we're being conservative, like who could destroy the planet? Like if 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 they made the wrong decisions, like in theory, it's it's one per, one person could do, it, but probably in practice, it's probably like a hundred people or dozens of people. Like that that's not something that anybody should sleep on. Like the like the you know, the Barbara Tuckman guns of uh, the guns of August situation. Like, uh, you know, those, the people involved there, they didn't know what they were getting into. The British empire didn't know was killing its empire. Uh, the German, the the Kaiser didn't realize he was, he was destroying Germany, Austria, Hungary, didn't realize they weren't going to exist. You know, the czar didn't realize he was going to be shot and his, you know, his family murdered. Like none of these people intended for this to happen, but, you have this precarious situation today where if they screw up, it's not, well, uh, the United States might no longer exist. What might be the human <laughs> habitation of planet earth no longer exists. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so, it's part of what's so upsetting to all this, to, to uh, about all this to me is, is that you get these people weighing in about, you know, we got to do something and we've got to, you know, we'll have this, we we're joking earlier about, we need to have a no fly zone, but not shoot anybody down. We need to, yeah, you know, yeah. people are suffering. We got to do something, you know, Putin's a madman. We've got to you know, stand up to this or whatever. And, and I'm thinking like, you just wonder in their head if they think that, 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 the way this gets solved is like Captain America and a team of Jedi Knights and Harry Potter come jumping out of a C-130, you know, and come parachute in behind enemy lines and they just sort out the bad guys. And, and like that ain't going to happen. And I'll tell you what will happen. There's going to be bombs dropped on children. Like if, if, you know, if this escalates, there's going to be bombs dropped on children and there's going to be babies torn up in rubble. There's going to be young people getting slaughtered. Be young young men getting mangled and torn up, and the same for women, only with the addition of mass rape. And there'll be old people rotting in the street like a dead dog by the side of the highway and poverty. Like the kind that you either like escape if you can, or if you can't, your 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 line's going to endure for generations. And that ain't even losing. That's just the war. And even then, I'm just basing that off of places like Bosnia and Afghanistan. When we talk about like great power squaring up. Like if one false step and things could get Old Testament real quick, um, and and God Almighty, like like escalating tensions is the last thing you it seems to me like you would want to do. Well, at least you know the weather's probably great right now, and uh, you know this kind of early March in <laughs> Moscow. <laughs> well, you know we were you you were, we were dancing around the patronage issue, and 
I want to stress again for like the fifth time or whatever. We've we've done like 10 podcasts or sorry, like eight podcasts in 10 days or something like that. I don't know. It's crazy. I've said this a couple of times, but like you you have to say this. It's like, this is a bipartisan problem. It's you. if, If someone's saying that this is the fault of one political party, they're lying to you. But in this example, like when we're talking about Ukraine and like, like where could this, you know, the number one foreign donor to the Clinton Foundation like, uh, were Ukrainians. Yeah, they gave they gave uh, they gave more money than like uh, Saudi Arabia, um, G- Germany, Canada, China. Uh, that, you know, that there's and they, like I said, the the Democrats aren't the only ones feeding at that trough. We heard that son of a bitch Soros say that. Um, <clears throat> The most important thing in the world right now is, uh, you know, your Ukrainian nationalism. There, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, like the, there was a, a great. I, I, I just, I just re- I found it and retweeted it just now because it was a great quote, and it's it's on brand. It's from the Gone with the Wind. Uh, so, someone was saying it's Red Butler quote. Uh, so there, there's two there are two times for making big money. One is in the upbuilding of the country, and the other is in its destruction. Slow money on the upbuilding, fast money in the crack up. That was Lafayette he, Lee, as I recall. I think it might have posted. Yes, that. sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I had to go look through my likes to find it. Yeah. I just retweeted it because if you need to understand why this war, not only just like the the domestic politics of, as our colleague uh, Fredo said previously. This is this is, this is a godsend because now they can stop talking about all the real problems that we have and just focus on how we can in, involve ourselves in this war. Yeah. But there's going to be there's going to be so much money made off of just the destruction of eastern Ukraine. God for God forbid it, it, it expands past that. You know, you're going to have all these economic migrants. They're going to that are going to be fleeing the country. Uh, you're going to you're going to have you have sanction regimes. You're going to have new deals cut. Mm-hmm. Mm. Speaking of which, did you see Sweden said they're going to take a quarter million? <laughs> people think like, oh, it's white people, blah blah blah. Ukraine is a very poor place. Okay, this is this is a quarter a, million. Yeah, like Sweden's populations. That's crazy. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Continue, but that would explain why why Malcolm was. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, he's he, been pissed. Yeah. I saw him reacting very strongly to that. That was, God, that's insane. Like, they got 10 million people in Sweden. Virginia has more people than Sweden. So that would be like take 250,000 Ukrainians, or no, like more like 300,000 Ukrainians into Virginia. That's insane. Being a Swede, probably maybe like, uh, certainly like 10 years ago, probably like automatically puts your lifestyle like uh, what we would consider like upper middle class American stuff. Well, you know, you add in all the people from the the last refugee crisis, and then now, you know, you're gonna throw in a quarter million more people from a very poor place. Well, you know, they're just chipping away at it. Those guys, we same things happened to us. Well, there was a, I think it was Merrick. I, I think you're a, you're a John Glove guy, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Oh hell yeah, I love it. It's I, it's it's tough not to read that and and not see this playing out. Because it's these people who 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 are running things like they under they run, it seems like they have this assumption that, or maybe they just don't care that the human beings aren't fungible. Um, it, like like this has this has repercussions, and, and it, God Almighty, like anybody who truly loves their polity, like would be very careful ab- about who you bring in, um, or, or or how many 
like, like this is serious business. You're talking about who's going to be living in your polity. Um, that's th this is incredibly irresponsible, <laughs> and, and and that's to say nothing of like this is going to get gamed, like like and this is going to get gamed in ways that like mm -hmm. I, I I can't imagine. Um, but there's always some sort of scheme at work. Globe has this line in, in there about how you know when when the the countries in the upper like the up the, the apogee part of the prosperity phase. It brings in all these all these foreign people, and when times are good, everybody is is satisfied to be on the same team. But as soon as things get bad, like all of a sudden, uh, different ethnic groups become like your your girlfriend when she, when you have a fight. She <laughs> remembers shit that happened two hundred years ago. And another thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and another thing, Anatolia is Greece. <laughs> It's like, like, like that, that's that's you know in, in the nineties that's funny. It's like oh who cares we're all American or you know if you're in Sweden oh we're all we're, you know we're all Swedes. Well no, it is when when times get tough and people and belts have to get tighter. And, and this is not like a, some people try to frame this as like a knock on the moral fiber of the immigrants. This is not because if if I immigrated to Sweden and things got bad, you know, suddenly I would become very opinionated about the American way to do things. And I would not feel as much kinship with my, with my new neighbors as I did with, you know, my own blood. That's just, that's just how human beings operate. So like, this is another, like, and, and obviously I think everybody now realizes we are approaching hard times. <laughs> Nobody can agree on how hard they're going to get, but we are coming into hard times. So you think, well, hey, you know, it would be a good idea. What if we just made like 15% of our population uh, people who have no real connection to our country and right before the price of everything goes through the roof and possibly even in Sweden's case, like I was thinking about this when Malcolm was posting about, you know, he's saying how crazy this was. It's bad enough for us, but like imagine if you were a country that had to import food right now and then you're, and you're making these moves. That's really insane. That people could be, you could have, fu have fucking food riots very easily. Uh, I missed one thing, but I'll, this is like something we talked about 30 minutes ago. But we were, you were talking about a guy who was um, a UPS driver or something, and he was an American hero. I was reading the other day, like one of, you know, most of the top Nazi guys all got, you know, stretched at The Hague. One of them, he was like, um, one of Hitler's top assistants or whatever. He was like a, uh, a dentist in Berlin for like three decades after the war, which is hilarious. <laughs> you know, this is like a, a field marshal of the Wehrmacht in World War II. <laughs> Imagine him, he's giving you a root canal or something. This guy is... Is it safe? <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's some incognito stuff there. <clears throat> yeah, it's really on brand, but stop clacking that knife, please. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, Hans, what do you think about World War II? Oh, I don't, I don't like to talk about it. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy is like, I mean, uh, this isn't like he was a Nazi. This guy's like, this guy's like a field marshal or something, you know? <laughs> Just, uh, that's. That's uh, pretty pretty awesome. Look, everybody couldn't be taking people to the moon. Some people had to just be dentists after they got <laughs> uh, So, man, the, the, the stuff about the hard times. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be some hard times. The uh, We've seen the death of um, uh, most of our lives. We like Everyone believed in this thing, at um, least until Trump. Uh, Democrats believed in sort of every – and Democrats sort of are – D define what everything is and American Republicans are like Democrats light. And so uh, 
the future, like every day things get better because of technology and stuff. There's rights out of history. If you go look up, I, I typed in some kind of funny thing, like who are the greatest people in history on Google? And um, it like literally only gave me civil rights figures <laughs> and Gandhi. That was like, that was like, it. you know, so the, the, there is no more history. Like this is, you know, when Islam took over, like they got rid of everything beforehand because that's like prehistory. Who, who gives a shit about that? That died with Donald Trump. Now we've seen the past few days, we saw President Joe Biden say, it, you know, life ahead in America is going to be long and hard. It's, you know, it's fucking over, buddy. Which is sort of the prime thing about the patronage stuff is like, the, uh, who is like, th- this This isn't necessarily true. The, the, the problem is there is no United States. And this is that, that, that thing that they fuck with us with. One of the interesting things about this. So now like war is real again. The end of history is over. I don't know if you saw it. There's been a, a huge vibe shift. I did a big tweet about this the other day where I was talking about the Germans. Germans, for the past, like, since the since the Second World War, they're all dentists, right? They've all, uh, there's, <laughs> no German wants to go to war ever. They're just, they just love hugging people and, uh, like, war, like, you know what I'm saying? They like reprogram their culture to to just not include war. Stuff. Okay, this shit happened in the past like three weeks. Eighty uh, percent of the population uh, uh, agreed to in a poll. And by the way, polls are expensive. Polls just don't, don't just just happen for no reason, right? So, uh, but so for some reason there was a poll of the German populace saying, "How do you feel about uh, immediately bringing about um, mandatory service and uh, uh, bring back conscription?" So, uh, which conscription is a big deal, but we have conscription. Nobody gives a shit. But mandatory service. So countries with it, that see a lot of action do mandatory service, I guess, and a couple outliers like Austria and stuff. But uh, either way, uh, mandatory service is a vibe shift. That's a real vibe shift. That's like uh, every male now in your cold country knows how to shoot a gun. Uh, and you're going from that from the other thing. They did that. And they also did um, like they just said, we need we're just going to rearm. Uh, like a, a third of the, the the German budget, just spend it on. We we need we need missiles. We need we need uh, planes. We need tanks. All this stuff that's coming back. And so uh, to cut to the chase, okay, let's. There's this thing that we're that uh, that rednecks even sort of uh, uh, extending out. Uh, white guys even sort of extending out. Just guys in general are are basically um, are young males are the fuel of war. Uh, to go to war, you need steel, uh, young males, oil. Uh, you know, people, there's this quote that says, war never changes. War doesn't change because the raw materials for war never change. Uh, you know, every military in the whole world is exactly the same because uh, they all run off the same materials. The reason why they, they wear these special uniforms, they, they do this and they do that, is because this is sort of the buttons in the back of a young man's brain that you can just push like a button and they'll just They'll they'll do what they'll 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 do these crazy things for you, and so sorry. Good. I was just well, I, no. I mean, I was just going to say this is the the eternal crowd. You can't you you couldn't breed this out in like two generations. They're gonna they're gonna put the <laughs> black, white, and red flag back up. They're gonna start playing Prusen Lee. They're, they're, it, it's all it's over for Europe. Right. Like you, 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 there's only so long you can make you can keep a junkyard dog in in your house. It, it's like a it's a house pet. It's a you know a lap dog. <laughs> Eventually he's gonna get back up. And he's just gonna bite Poland. It's just gonna happen. 
<laughs> you're you're joking, but I mean, what you, what you're saying is serious. Well, no, people are feeling what vulnerability is again. War's back. Uh, what I'm getting at is that so are you? So we we are uh, not me in particular, but sort of young males. Blah blah. Are are the building component for war? And in the past, like thirty, like twenty years of like extreme peace, like. Um, Governments across the West have really had no use for males. A male to a modern Western government is like a, a defective woman. It's like a woman that occasionally robs a liquor store or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's no, like, there's no point. Like, why would like a male is would be a useless thing because like uh, the only things that the state recognizes things like school teachers and social workers and stuff. A male is just like a, a just just sort of this, this defective, even more costlier unit. It's going to break down. Uh, you know, ten years earlier, and people are like, "Well, what what the fuck is the point of a male?" Even we've seen even articles saying like, um, you know, these people saying well, they're going to use technology like. There is no point for males. They're just going to use women. They'll use test tubes and stuff. Now, all of a sudden, like, uh, this is that vibe shift. Immediately, people remember what males are because males are disposable people made for war. There's a kind of a thing that's like, if, if, the, if the redneck is an anti-war redneck, does he lose, does he lose his power? Because now he, he isn't useful for something. I, I, I'm going to say no. He doesn't lose his power um, for a couple of reasons. Um, and I'm trying to think how to put all this together here. Because there's what, what you just said sparked like a half dozen things. I'm going to try to chase all these rabbits at once. Well, just, um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, for one thing, I, I think uh, – I, I don't know that I hold with the materialist kind of thing of, of just, you know, that, that's just, you know, like what is a redneck without fighting? Um, that's a part of it. But it, but it's not the only thing. Um, there you know, there's like the you know, the religiosity, the 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 love of art, and 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 just there's there's too much for me to to get off on right now. because um, I've got this in my head. Um, so there, there's more than just there's more than just war or more than just to us. Um, Two things from Martin Van Krebeld, who I, I really like, and I had the pleasure of getting to to converse with him and kind of uh, you know, correspond and you know, trade you know, letters and emails. And he wrote a really cool book um, called uh, "Pussycats: Why the Why the Rest Keep Beating the West and What Can Be Done About It." And he was kind enough to to quote some of my stuff in it. Um, but uh, I've, I've, he's the guy who did fourth generation warfare and all that. Um, one one of the things he said in our correspondence that jumped out at me was that men like to fight. And women like fighters, um, and that that was one like you know, all this like manosphere type stuff. Mm. You know, people like doing like Dungeons and Dragons characters for their like PUA or whatever, like you know, gimmick. And it's just like no, <laughs> no he just broke it down for you. Like like men like to fight, men like to fight, and women like fighters, and that just makes it all make sense. Um, so there's that. But um, another thing that that he's he said in some of his work is, is that the nature of the state, you know, like the nation state system proper is dying. Um, and, and, and what part of what that entails is people are no longer orienting, you know, their identity, uh, you know, they're, they're, or at least they're not, their, their sense of identity is no longer rooted in the state, you know, in the nation state, you know, because mm. the nation state's driven and has been since before we were born by people who don't believe in those things anymore, you know, cause they're, they're, the world's too small to have these like little, you know, distinct sovereignties. It's, it's global and there, which is a whole nother thing. They remind me of Walter Cronkite. I've got some stuff to say. There's, you know, this this thing about the, the Confederate statues, right? And those people say, "Oh, you you guys are fucking traitors." So why, you, you know, you, you got to get rid of your flag and the statues stuff. But meanwhile, 
Uh, they wouldn't be caught dead with an American flag. The, us that want to say this, the, the statues that still fly the stars and bars, we're also the ones that fly the, the fucking American flag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in Hellfire, I mean, we're, we're kind of like this scapegoat. Like, this is a whole other tangent, but let's do it. Um, like, uh, of, yeah. of, the, of the South, and it... You, it's like you know these evil races who are just about slavery. It's like, dude, it was illegal to be black in Illinois and Oregon. <laughs> like, like where, <laughs> like where do you get off on that? Like, like, and that's to say nothing of God. Where, where do you even begin? Just look up Joe Biden's political history. You know. Yeah. Well, and and there was uh, there's a guy named I think it's Donald Livingston with the uh, the Abbeville Institute, who they're like a think tank, but like for the South, and he's got some really great lectures on like you know how the state and, and like the, the Southern position. And there's this like Jeffersonian versus Lincolnian version of like America, but like with the South, they saw the, like their, their states as sovereign political societies and they banded together in the union. They ratified their constitutions. And in some States like uh, Virginia, I believe, and maybe even New York and a few others had the right to leave the union within their own state constitutions. Um, you know, based on whether or not like the states ratified it, and they voted to leave it. It wasn't like overthrowing the government. It's like no, they voted to leave it. You know that that this was a union that they entered into, and they saw that it wasn't serving their interests, and they voted to leave. Um, and that's not to say that I don't want to like whitewash over slavery because God, that would have even then. That's a whole other thing. Um, that even then, it changed over over the years, and God, like that's just that's a horrible thing in and of itself. Um, but that to reduce it to just like you know it's these evil you know evil Southerners just wanting to preserve slavery that that loses so much of like what that what brought that war into being. Leftists was constantly talking about the the the, the classic sort of anti-Semitic thing is that there's a harmonious society and then the Jew enters sort of then, then you know paradise is lost everything sucks now and that's now the story of America that America is this. The scheming redneck enters into the picture, and he's why you can't have health care. He's why this and that. And they're like they're literally going that far. I mean, now that everything is sort of the problem of uh, the southern man. Yeah, well, and, and like most of the people in the South, you know, like the, the like started as indentured servants, which was a fancy way of saying rental slave. And there, there was a, a buddy of mine, James Lafon, the one I quoted in the article, who who lives in Baltimore. He he wrote a book called Cracker Boy. And uh, he, he went back and he looked at a lot of the, the primary literature of, of, of ads that people took out for runaway slaves. One of the people who did it was George Washington. He had a white runaway slave and he was wanting to have it returned. Um, and like this, they, they use this language of like indentured servant when that was like the fancy high tone, high class language that was assigned to it when the people in their private correspondence referred to themselves as slaves. Um, and so like the whole issue of slavery is really weird. Um, a buddy of mine from Kentucky was showing me a wall that was like, like they 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 had it built by Irish immigrants because they didn't want to risk damaging you know an African slave because it costs so much more money to have an African slave they want to take care of it whereas an Irish immigrant it's like screw it we'll just have him build the wall and if it falls whatever we'll get some more and so like this issue of of, of what those words mean and what that life was like it gets completely whitewashed if we just say like oh well it's just Southerners and they're evil and it's like. No, like, like it's so much more complicated than that. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's these conceptions of like, and we we're still battling this out, and you see it come out of of, of the states. You know, you have this central leviathan that that everybody likes it when it pushes their way, but it doesn't always push their way. 
Um, and, and you have to have some sort of, of, of way to, to mediate that or, or restrain that. Um, and that's part of what made America so cool. Um, it was that it's like you had a stake in it, or, or you should. And you should yes. be able to push back and, and to resist. And you shouldn't have to comply with things that you don't agree with. And that's, let's say you should do whatever you want, but like, I don't know, there should be checks on power. And that's not a bad thing. You know, most right wing guys, the, 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 I'm not going to say anything wrong with it. It's probably the best way to run in, in uh, you know, in a not perfect situation. They most strongly admire, like, I don't know, like feudal political arrangements and stuff. And the idea is, uh, you know, the better man should 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 make this should uh, are the only people who are the only people that are the good breeding to make decisions and stuff. So that okay, that's a that's a model, and like uh, yeah, that works in a lot of places. If I was running like uh, Indonesia or something, perhaps I would use that model. <laughs> there's a there's a really there's a better model that we've seen, in my opinion, at least twice in history. We've seen it in the Roman Empire. If you were if you were a Roman soldier and you gave the Roman state twenty years of service, you were uh, I mean you were you were much more than 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 uh, what what became in the Middle Ages. You know you were a real man. You were a citizen, uh, and and we we've seen that there. You're going to have a little land. You're going to be a kulak. That land's going to be yours. Be respons- you're going to be responsible for it. Uh, the, the the land that you conquer that you're going to you're going to get a piece of that. We're all one big team and. And there's no one's uh, there's no no one's above each other. You know, uh, Augustus is the first among equals because we're all equals. We're all citizens. Uh, we've seen that there, and then uh, you know things go to shit for a while, and then you see that in America. You see that in the yeoman model uh, and the kulak model. The, the, when people talk about the the American dream. Um, we were talking about the other day that um, remember that song um, uh, uh, "Want to Be a Baller." <laughs> yeah. That was a barracks song. I you you'd mentioned that one the other day, and I popped. I or you you tweeted on it, and I was like, "Oh, I remember that song." We used to get drunk to uh, that. Sorry. Oh uh, hell yeah, it's a great song. And if you're a uh, southern guy, you know the song's about uh, you know I ten and stuff. You know, it's, uh, it's your southern man. You spend a lot of time on I ten. My whole world is I ten. You know, and uh, <laughs> twenty inch blades on the Impala. Little Troy, the, the singer on there, he was like a one-hit wonder. He is now an owner-operator truck driver. And, uh, you know, you, you read in the comments, people are like, well, that's the American dream. He made it. And, and the thing is, he, he is. Uh, and, and he was talking about, he says, this is way better than being a rapper. I sort of set my own, uh, set my own tone. My, my, I own my own business. It's small business, but he still drives the truck, et cetera. And this is kind of like, now it's driving a truck. It used to be you got a little, got a little land, et cetera. Uh, this is like a, this is a, this is a better deal for more guys, you know. Uh, yeah. And we kind of we kind of had that. This this is the, the citizen soldier thing. It, it, I, I know people out there they love this, um, you know, great man nobility shit. But the fact of the matter, like it's it, it's it's a great model, and, and a lot of there's a lot more people that are, that are useful, uh, intelligent guys just in the south. I'm sorry. I'm going to do this to him when talk about Ivanhoe again. The, the hero of Ivanhoe is he's a Saxon. He's he's a fucking chud. He's a, he's like nobility, but of a ch- like, you know a chud ethnicity that everybody fucking hates. All the rich French people despise them, make fun like literally make, spend the first part of the book just making fun of them, how they're useless and poor and stupid. And uh, through merit- meritorious service to the king and the Crusades, he become he and you know st- standing like, rescuing damsels, he becomes. The man, like that, that, that like he is, like, he's like the archetypal heroic knight. Okay, and, here, here, here's a here's a here's a modern example. Uh, 
who you who you trust more? If you you had to you, uh, you had to go uh, you know go somewhere, kick the doors down, get some real shit done, or uh, let's say you need somebody to um, to do anything for you. I'll give you two choices. Number one, you're talking America right now. You get to choose between a uh, a staff sergeant, navy chief, etc., or you get to choose between a, uh, a second lieutenant right now, uh, average second lieutenant. Which one are you gonna pick? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're gonna pick, you're gonna pick the NCO. Like, that's right. Oh, <laughs> that will be that be historically true. So my Bible says. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're when you when you start thinking about how you feel about that butter bar and the the the, the, the associations you would put to them. Uh, well, you sound more like a uh, you know a, a peasant rebellion guy than, than no, that, 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 no, because in the era we're talking about, like, when you, when the, the reason knights are admired is that they're both they're guys like you, right, you're not right, right. standing at the back of the you're not standing behind the lines you know writing up reports and directing people or like uh, what, whatever the fuck a, a brown bar does to I God who even knows what they what they do like probably uh, write up incident reports for people getting their feelings hurt. <laughs> What? They, they follow. Uh, they follow uh, uh, young co- uh, commission offers around on TikTok. Make sure they don't post any dirty jokes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still. I'm stealing value. Yeah, I wasn't in the military. I'm not. I'm not allowed to to to, to pretend like the you know the, the gruff NCO thing. Yeah, but however, like the the, the, the the thank you. You giving me a G pass. So <laughs> the point was, these are people who they're leaders, but they're also you're. You're incredible danger. You're fighting. You're fighting at the front with with the men. Like you're hacking people to death with a sword and getting getting possibly hacked to death. That is what made them great. And that's why people. Nobody larps like you don't larp. You know what I want to be? Uh, I want to be a, a a field officer in World War One. That's what I want to dress up as and play when I'm nine years old. I want to be. Uh, hey, General Haig, here here's the latest map. Nobody does. That. By, by the way, us not being in the military is even better for that question because really the question is like. Who would you rather be ruled over? Who would you rather manage your company? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, because like, exactly. like, if we had no authority, if we were being uh, dictated to from these, I, I swear, y'all, y'all, y'all got me like a half dozen more things I wanted. Like, this make me <laughs> think about. It's like, I could chase, I could chase rabbits all night with y'all. Go all right. anywhere you want. Go so, anywhere. You want. Well, well, there's a couple things. Um, for one, uh, you know, the, like there's this sort of like online meme kind of stuff, and a lot of that is like you got like young dudes, and and and. and I remember being a kid and, and opening up an encyclopedia and seeing like the Civil War and seeing how cool the uniforms looked and they had these righteous beards and swords and you know I think like that's badass, you know. Like, Ew, in your yeah. back of your head, you're thinking like I, being a soldier that looks pretty cool. Like that that this is like my favorite war or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Maybe that's not the right way to look at things. Um, but that's just a part of being young, um, and it's different. You know, you get older and, you know, you get scuffed up a little and you realize like that's you're seeing a, like a representation of, of some truth. Even the worst wars, thinking about Vietnam uh, coming right in on a Huey yeah. over a hot LZ with CCR yeah. playing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That'll give you a war boner right there. You know, <laughs> it's harassing <laughs> around looking for the shit. So so there's that. Um, but uh, in terms of like, the you know, the I guess kind of. What you're talking about, Bog, with, uh, you know, like the yeomanry and, and like that was what was so cool about that in Rome and, and with Merrick, with you, with knights. And like, you know, and I think there's a way of like uh, kind of squaring that in that I mentioned my old squad leader who was just, you know, the salty Virginian who was just a, you know, God's own badass. And um, we had an LT, you know, the butter bar or whatever. And he went, he came out of West Point. So like there's, this is, 
and he like he played football and this guy is like he's the chad and he comes from probably a long line of chads and he did west point and he's like he's dressed right dressed and like even the way he carried himself was like there was a dignity there where it's like all right this guy's clearly patrician you know, I, like, I'm like, I'm like Scots Irish knuckle dragon pleb. Like my my dad's people have been literate since maybe like the 30s, 40s. You know, like like I'm the first to like my family on my you know to like have a college education. Like like so I'm a, I'm a pleb or whatever. And like he would have my squad leader up front. We're gonna go into some shit. He wants him up front because that man knows what the fuck to do when the balloon goes up. Excuse my language. And um, like when, when it's time to get in the shit, that man knows what to do. And he's like, he, this guy's some redneck from Virginia who like, he just knows he's a fighter. It's where like he was, he should have, I, I mentioned earlier, he should have been a platoon sergeant and he was running a squad because he punched a lieutenant. <laughs> he just, he wasn't made for, he was like Conan. He's one of those guys mm-hmm. who just like, he wasn't made for peace like this, or at least he, there's things in him that, that would not thrive and come forward unless he's in conflict and he needs that. Um, kind of like, you know, the men like to fight and women like fighters. Um, and I, so I think there's a, you know, with the sort of like, you know, the officer enlisted NCO kind of dynamic is a way of trying to kind of square that. Um, but also um, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, how like things are kind of spinning off. I, I think there's, for one thing, like Van Krebel was saying, there's this orientation away from the nation state. Whereas like, you know, like my, my dad's cousin, HL, that I'd mentioned, he was, you know, the country calls you ask, and I don't think it's going to be like that for my nephews. Like they're, they're going to live in a very different America than my dad's cousin did, you know, who grew up, you know, as a baby boomer. He like got to drive a terrace around a cool, you know, like 1970s hot rods. And he had a, he had a cool house and had like three kids and he married his high school sweetheart. My nephews ain't going to have that. They're going to have a very different situation. We've already got to worry about like making sure that they don't get hopped up on a bunch of trans shit. Like that's where we're at now. <laughs> like, like, like mm-hmm. that's it's So who on earth would want to take a bullet for this? I, like I could see, you know, like my papa, I would talk about with my dad about what's going on. And he'd say, you know, my dad would always say we're, we're living in the best country in the world. And I don't think papa would say that now. People are, are going to be orienting their, their, their identities away from this thing. And they, they may still serve it, but it's going to be from kind of a mercenary point of view. They won't love it. And because they won't love it, they won't be willing to sacrifice it like they will for other things. And I think right now is the sort of the, the birth pains of the other things. Um, and, and it's going to be squirrely and weird for a long time, I think. But also, I, I, I'm a, a big fan of, of the fourth turning theory. You know, that you, know, you have like these crisis mm-hmm. periods, and eventually people get born who don't remember the crisis, things fall apart, and then eventually you have another crisis. And I, there was a, a guy named John Zanakis, who was an MIT guy who built off that, and he extrapolated out to the world and built this model. Part of his art, he said, you know, this model doesn't just apply for America, but for it's just human nature. And he said, trouble is, is World War One and World War Two created a situation where everybody's timeline kind of syncs up. Where now, everybody alive right now in the year of our Lord, 2022, has never seen a systems changing crisis like the World Wars. Or, you know, having some country come in and invade your, you know, your home or vice versa. These sort of like these things that just rise up out of the people 
almost like almost like lust, um, where it's almost like you're looking for a fight. And you can see that, how every week it's something, or every month, there's some new crisis that just demands our attention, where I mentioned the old lady who, she's deathly afraid of, of COVID, and her, you know, how so-and-so didn't get the vaccine, and now she's ready to, like, kill all the Russians. It's like there's this need kind of now where it's like the fever of, of war. You know, it's like it's a time for peace and a time for war and all that. And I think we're coming into a really dicey time for conflict. Um, and especially, as, you know, these old structures like nation states are falling away. Or, you know, you, you, you have like, you, like the, the issue of, of like you know, all, these, all these young men who are, are, you know, denied of like having families or like any sort of like honor or, or, or glory, all these things that speak to men, we're supposed to live in a life without those things. And like, I think just the human parts of us will rebel against it. Um, so it's, I'm taking the long way around the barn here, but uh, it's a squirrely time to be alive. And I just, I really wish we had better leaders who had wiser minds. Something that Samuel said, uh, a moment ago really uh, piqued my interest because you're talking about this war fever. It reminded me, I can't find the quote, but I'm, so I'm not going to bother. But in World War One, there was like over the week, like, there was a, there was a moment where it looked like Britain was not going to get involved in the war. And like, and someone had asked this government, or maybe it was himself, uh, the prime minister wrote, it's like, well, there's, there's like there's going to be a war on the continent, but luckily, we, there's no reason for us to get involved. And then within like two days, the, you know, with uh, me, the media whipped people up into a frenzy. And like on Monday, like Friday, he writes, ah, it's good news. We're not going to be involved this war. Monday, he's like, well, I, I mean, I guess I guess now we're in it because everybody in Britain caught, you know, like the expeditionary force fever, like which is it's got to happen now. And like we, we, we like to think that, well, we've become more evolved than people were 100 years ago, and that could never happen because of nuclear weapons, and et cetera. But like uh, I, I, Samuel's right. Human nature is much stronger than any kind of military technology. Uh, it's it's not rational. It it doesn't. It rarely thinks about things in the long term. There's no guarantees that uh, someone won't do something incredibly stupid, just being carried away on the uh, these passionate emotions that have been suppressed for like two generations like like you said we we're we are all we're at a point where most of us in the world can't have no nothing in our experience that could like warn us away from it there's no like elder people saying like hey you don't want to do this uh you know, i was in the trenches and you don't want to you don't want to start up <laughs> shit with germany in 1939 there's nobody like that anymore uh, we're all like hey everybody's a great war virgin in 2022 well you mentioned that word the word virgin and i was just thinking of like how it's it's sort of like when you you fall for somebody and, and you you feel like you're the only person who's ever had those kind of feelings and and you're not you know like like this is a part of the human experience sort of like how a I think it was Paul Schrader who did Taxi Driver. Uh, I, I saw in you know, one of those like you know, DVD commentaries or whatever. He was talking about how he uh, some vet came up to him, some Vietnam vet, and he he had a case of the ass, and he was taking it out on Paul. And he was like, you know, you you stole my life, man. That was my story or whatever. And and the guy <laughs> and and Paul Schrader said, you must think you're terribly unique. You know, and, and explained to him that like what I wrote, like that happened to a lot of guys. You know, like like these, 
you know, you've, you've fallen for some like that. A lot of people have that, or or this, this 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 war thing that that everything's kind of going to hell, and we don't we all know something's coming, and we don't know kind of what to do about it. Um, there's that line from Ernst Younger that I, that just goes on through my head of just the, the true ruler reigns by giving life rather than taking it, and and I, and I do believe something's coming, and I don't know how bad it's going to be, but but I think that the good a, a good start to follow is like how does how does how does this help people? Um, how, how does this help them get what they need, what, what they want? How does it help them flourish? It, which is, I, I, I hesitate to even use that kind of language because it becomes kind of a cop-out and a smokescreen. But, but there, there are things that you can do, and there's moves that you can make. Um, and and it, to try to, if there's to be conflict, to have it on your terms. Um, so to go back to pro wrestling, there was a, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who you know the the, the man, the the global icon and national treasure himself, I was talking about <laughs> Finn Balor, who America, you'd said he looked like a theater <laughs> kid in makeup or something. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Well, he. Uh, I was watching like NXT like five years ago or whatever. Whenever he first started coming out, and he had like this demon gimmick that he would he would mm-hmm. he would come out normal, you know, and then maybe he'd like make up a little bit, but like on the big matches, he'd get his like demon thing going. And uh, and Austin made the comment, it's like rather than him working the gimmick, the gimmicks working him. Um, and I. <sighs> I had a thought and I lost it getting off mm. on pro wrestling. I'm sorry. I got to take it down. Do you remember the NXT back when he was in it? There were these two guys who their their gimmick was they were like vaudeville. Yeah, um, the vaudevillains. That guy's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I just, I, I just wanted to make sure that actually yeah, happened. I didn't hallucinate. I swear. Now I'm pissed at myself for like getting off on a tangent about Finn Balor and like working <laughs> gimmicks. But, but. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, the point being is to like the point he was making was that this guy's like getting so caught up in in like this gimmick, this persona that he like he's missing the point of it, which is to like get a rise out of the audience or make people happy. Um, and and I think there's this temptation of just getting caught up in all these weird little gimmicks of just yeah, we got a war in Ukraine, we got to go fight, even though I can't find it and I don't know the language. You know, um, or or COVID, and like we're all gonna die from this respiratory infection. That even though you know whatever, and we've got to like fight over it. Everybody's got to learn learn about epidemiology or whatever the hell. And it's like it's always something. I think being able to like have yourself a little space in your mind where you don't get caught up in these gimmicks, and, and you can decide to the extent you can of, of what you want and 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 how you can get it and how you can help those around you. I, I think that's it's a good place to start or um, there, there was a, a, at the, the, the drama school in London or the drama center in London, which is there. I, I went there to go talk to the woman who was a student of Yat Mongram who taught Sean Connery about movement psychology, which I thought was really cool. Anyways, that's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> but there was a plaque they had on the wall. If you're under the spell of something, you can't cast the spell of your own. And so I, I think mm. as, as bad as it is and as, as much and, and things are going to be bad, and it's going to get worse in ways that we can't even fathom. But I think if we get so focused on that, there's a chance that like we'll we'll miss out on all the good things that we have, or the the blessings and opportunities that 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 are that are coming, and, and the possibilities and moves that we can make. And so I would just encourage people to. It's good to it's good to keep an eye out for all the bad stuff and, and to understand that things are going to get worse, but to 
not get so wrapped around the axle of that that you, you, you forget that all's not lost and, and the good things can come. And it's just, you know, keep your head on a swivel. We're going, we're going to make it. We know so many people, I mean, are right now that living great, uh, doing awesome things, especially in the Kulak sense. I've, I've never known so many people that own chickens before. I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I know people that were living in Manhattan like two or three years ago, and now they own chickens. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're 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 doing that because of the decision to do that. I'm sure is included somewhere that that uh, economic downturn and there's less of this, there's less of that. But you know they're better off. To your point of uh, kind of what's the point of a man? I, I mentioned I, I I did a gig where I, I proofed bills once, and one of the things that would come down is they would they would want to change the the, the they would want to make the language gender neutral because the old laws that were written, you know, maybe 100 years ago, 50 years ago, it'd be, you know, the the plaintiff of his, you know, the you know, the director and his or, you know, his, you know, whatever, and they would want to add, you know, or her. You know, because you know, the people, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. You know, this wasn't too long ago that this was we were having land runs and the town started up as tents and then the, you know, maybe within a year you'd have, you know, brick if you were lucky. Um, and in a lot of it, it was men taking walking point on this, and, and you know, you know, sweating and you know, plowing and building, and it was men who were at the forefront of this. And and I know, like you know, we've got a lot of you, 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 manner boon, you know, comes up a lot. Now at the every at, at the beginning, and I know, and I know, y'all are you know big into Caesar and Rome. At the mm-hmm. head of every, at the beginning of every political order, it's a group of men trying to get shit done. Um, and, and, I, and I think we all kind of know that this old order, it, it doesn't work anymore. And, and, and it's just, it, it's, some ways, it's almost more trouble than it's worth. I mean, God, they're risking World War III for what? Um, like it, like, and I think you, you see a lot, of, a lot of guys who are, who are, who are wondering, like, all right, well, I, I don't want to do this, and there's no future in this, so I need to do something else. And that's where, and I think that's where we see a lot of guys. We see a lot of guys who are like stepping up and like starting to ask those questions and, and figuring it out and kind of fumbling around, but trying. Um, and I think that's to be encouraged. I, I mangled the thing about the night, but you know, we had the episode about when the night was everything. The reason why the night was everything, because he accepted all the liability. You know, uh, that's why people uh, were okay with the, the night being the only political force, because he, t- he took all the liability. And that's the thing about the, the staff sergeant butter bar. I'm not, I'm not against even nobility uh, as as such, or or uh, but in, you know in the butter bar example, obviously the systems we have right now, the liability is not really lined up. Yeah, they don't have any obligations. They have privileges. They don't have any obligations, and that that and that is not nobility. That's tyranny. Period. Once you have a lot of chaos in the situation, that can uh, that can reform. Uh, by the way, you know the manor bun thing. Do we talk about manor bun? You know uh, the name of the show is Good Old Boy. <laughs> That's your, that, that's Scotch Irish for Manorboon. That's how you yeah. translate it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, the good old boys network. And now it's this podcast. <laughs> this is this is the place to be right here. Amen. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of something. Uh, you're talking about you know moves to make and all this kind of stuff. Um, there was something that that came up recently in, in my own life that reminded me of y'all. And um, I. Because you know, here in Oklahoma, you know, we have like the you know, we're a red state, and there's there's some stuff that's been going on with the GOP, and so I'm a curious kind of cat. I don't like stuffs going on, and I see stuff like this, and I'm about to like just I don't know whether shit or ride a bicycle. So it's like I need to go down and talk to these people and figure out what in the hell are they thinking. So I go down to the GOP office, and I'm 
I just want to see, like, all right, so what's going on, and is there anything I can do? And, and I went up talking to this guy, and uh, he's – one of the big pitches, you know, this is like, you know, some – I won't say, like, what county I'm in or whatever, but, like, this is like, you know, some guy who's had handling GOP volunteers. And one of the things that he was big, big on pushing was, like, getting involved in your local precinct. I didn't know anything about a precinct other than, like, that's where I go vote. You know, you go in, you stand in line, and that guy gives you, like, a paper, and you get a pen, and you, you know, you, you fill out the little square, and that's it. But apparently, there, there's a whole, like, political infrastructure that you can plug into as a pro. And you don't yeah. need, like, a college education or anything like that. You can just show up. And, like, because, uh, and I don't know what it's like for the Democratic Party or, you know, Libertarian parties or, or whatever other parties, but it, it, I'm assuming it's the same. So if anybody who's actually got history in this stuff, feel free to sharpshoot me. It is. I, I volunteered for the Democrats and the Republicans back to back uh, year to year when I was a teenager. So you know this. So, okay. So but it, it, the one of the things that struck me was that, that like they want to have a pre, you know, they want to have a committee in every precinct. And, and like this committee is like, you know, the chair, vice chair, treasurer and secretary. At least that's how it is in Oklahoma. Although the last two can get rolled into one person. Um, you could be out in like Alfalfa County or whatever. And like they got nobody. And you could just go to the GOP and you could say, hey, I want to participate in your committee. And they say, all right, would you, would you like to be the chairman? And like now you're yes. the chairman of the Alfalfa County GOP and you can help create the platform for, for Alfalfa County, you know, articulating the specific issues to the county. You, know, you can get your buddies to come in and y'all can be like on like the state committee. You know, you can get or at least attend state meetings or something like that. You can do that. Or even if it, it's, if you're not like, even if they've already got people who are already there, you can get involved and you can learn things and you can help out. And even though, you know, it's kind of a game and it's whatever, still you're making, you're networking and you're participating in the system. Um, and that's, what, what else do you got better to do? <laughs> you know, um, that's why. Yeah, absolutely and right. I, and also in terms of election, and this is something that I, he'd, he'd mentioned that I, cause I'm, you know, I, I'm remembering like, you know, this recent election, there's all this election fraud. So it's kind of like, what the hell's the point? You know, you don't count the votes. So why, you know, why even bother? And he was saying that in Virginia and in Merrick, I feel free to, you know, again, sharpshoot me if I'm misspeaking here. But he was saying that like, the GOP had some really strong ground game. And I'd heard that phrase bandied about, but yeah. I didn't really know what the hell they meant. But basically like every committee or every, almost every county had, a fully staffed committee. And when they had elections, they were able to have, you know, a ton of boots on the ground of volunteers who were there walking around representing the GOP. And so, you know, if you've got like two or three people from the GOP and you've got like 50 Dems who are, who are voting, they can pull some shenanigans or they can intimidate people or whatever. But if you got, if you're evenly matched or if you got more than they have, they know they're going to have to work for it and, and be overt. And so there's like a deterrence, offense, defense, balance kind of thing going on. Um, so which, again, I, I thought was kind of wild. But also we've got a civil war kind of going on within our state GOP. We had this guy coming in, uh, which is part of the reason why I wanted to get involved, named John Bennett. And uh, he came in with the Trumpist kind of movement. And uh, there were four people who were running. And this is kind of inside baseball, so I don't know if it's kind of boring and you want to cut it. But, uh, no, no, good. But this this guy John Bennett, there's a four there's a four way race for chairing the state GOP. He won by like sixty percent. And this guy is like a twenty some odd year old or twenty something in the Marine Corps, 
I think he served in the Marine Corps for over 20 years. And he's a pastor at like some, I don't know if it's the Church of Christ or Assembly of God, but he cuts him old school hellfire and brimstone promos where he's like, and I'll tell you another thing, we're going to stand at the door and look them globalists in the eye and we're going to say, not today, Satan. (laughs) And that's like the kind of like the speeches he gives. And so he's like, yeah, I've seen this guy. He's like, he's like, he's like a human buzz cut. Yeah. He's, and it's funny because he's a manlet. So it's like, it's like manlet supremacy, oaky manlet supremacy. Um, Anyway, set your watch to his hind tight. Yeah, well, he does, he's not. He's not. He's not. I think he's like got like a normal haircut now. But he's the energy's definitely. You know, imagine like Buzz if Buzzcut was a preacher. Um, but so he's <laughs> that's him, and he's like the chairman of the state GOP. And this was like a lot of people voted him in because they like him. They they like that direction. That's that populist stuff. The trouble is, is there's a lot of like chamber of commerce, old school GOP, and they don't like that stuff mm-hmm. at all. And they've been, and so right now there's a civil war and it's, there's been this split that's uh, emblematic and it, now he's going to be like running for Congress. But like while that's going on, we've got Lankford, Senator Lankford. And like, I do not like this man for a myriad reasons. I think he's like, he's a cuck. He's in, he's a, like in pro wrestling state, in pro wrestling terms, he's in Mitch McConnell's stable. You know, like, mm-hmm. like Mr. McConnell cuts <laughs> promos. There's like Langford standing with him or whatever. And like, I don't like this guy. I don't even think somebody was even saying he doesn't even live in Oklahoma. He's got like an apartment. He lives in Texas he's, or something. He's like Virgil. He's polishing the gold belt, you know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a stooge. Yeah. <laughs> hey, brother, here's your belt. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so he uh, let's sit around. We well, did, like, this, this is our best. This is our best. This is our best topic. Local <laughs> politics is our best topic. I mean, we, we this is great. So keep going. Okay, I, I appreciate. I, I hope I'm not boring y'all with this stuff too much. But there's a point to it. Just bear with me. Um, oh, brother Sam's been into the cider a bit. Bear with me. Um, but so uh, <laughs> the the uh, so you have uh, Langford. He's running, but you also have this guy Lawmeyer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, Jackson Lawmeyer. And he's he's on he's on the up and coming. And he's he's another one of these guys. I think he's a I think he's a pastor as well. And uh General Flynn and Roger Stone gave him the rub. Again, I'm pro wrestling term. This is like where somebody who's established comes in and they like, you know, promote some other guy. And so like there he's getting the rub from from General Flynn and Roger Stone. You know, these are like the Trumpist guys and like, this guy's a good guy. We want him, we, we want you to come out and support him. And they're going all over the state doing rallies, like old school, like, like Huey Long type stuff, you know, like we're, we're getting people out. Yes. I, I went to a rally in an airport hangar in Yukon, Oklahoma. <laughs> this last Saturday, like they, they, they straight up like, you know, reserve, like we're all like driving out on some dirt road or wherever, trying to get to this like, airport hangar to like get speeches, you know, you know, thrown at us. And then they pass around the hat. So like that's what's going on, but but their their argument, you know, going back to like you know the whole this GOP civil war is that you have this established economic entrenched patronage network, and that's there, and it ain't going to go away because you ask it nice. Um, but there, that's there's other moves that you can make, and that's you can speak directly to the people, and, and for any politician who's willing to address the people and and, and hustle for it. You know, knowing that you're not going to get one great big fat check. Instead, you may have to get hundred, you may have to go out and make speeches out in like Paw Huska for like a thousand bucks, maybe. You know, like, but that's, but there's, there's, 
there's a way you can get a seat at the table. And, and, and yeah, what goes on at the capitals is theater, but like in, in getting to there, you've established a network. And that, a network, that network can get stuff done, regardless of what label it is or, or all the other sort of kind of superficial stuff. These are people who you can call on and, and they will advance your interest. And, and that's, that's there on the ground. Anybody who wants to get involved in that stuff can. And that's just here in Oklahoma. And I'm pretty sure like, that story plays out all across the country. And There's so, never been a better time. Yeah. So if you're, you know, you're, you're some young buck who's looking to make some moves, you might just go get involved in your local precinct. Like that's, it, it's, a, it's, it's low hanging fruit and it's, it's not going to cost you too much, I wouldn't think. Bog, you could speak, <laughs> you know this stuff better than I do. So I would say yes. And by the way, so uh, lo- local politics is our favorite subject. And that's because, uh, like you were talking about the, the whole thing with the nation state, you talk about lo- we talk about localism and Kulak. Well, the essence of this is this local politics stuff. Next week, we're going to interview a guy who um, grew up in Oakland. And uh, I don't know if you've seen what Oakland's like lately. Uh, I've never been there, but, um, uh, you know. Uh, there's just homeless people everywhere. That, but you've listened to Dr. Dre, so you got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he's a local guy. He did, he doesn't he didn't he doesn't come from these patriots. That's so the reason why we talk about these patriots networks. It's like what you're going up against is patriots networks. These things are are well, I think in, right now a lot of them are getting quite crusty. A lot of them uh, getting into po- uh, local politics. I, I've I volunteered Democrat and Republican uh, back back to back because I wanted to see what's like. There's there is a lot of power there i mean you like uh just one person you can do a lot if I mean, if you had five guys you could take over you could take over a whole a whole county but another thing i would, I would suggest people get into is this i did this for as long as i lived in my hometown about to go back it's called different names everywhere because it's done different everywhere but uh the, the elections election supervisor stuff so uh you'll get paid like uh like a hundred bucks or something and you'll do different jobs in terms of like the actual like uh people talk about they want to be there and they count the votes well you can you can like actually be one of the people that count the votes and then you know as as you would get more involved in politics you want to want to be the uh like actually work in that anymore which I suggest you should. If you're interested in politics, you should do that. So I've worked every, you know, you'd be the bailiff, you'd be, uh, you be, you check the people's names. Uh, I had my own um, precinct before and everything. So uh, that that's that's very. I would do that. But as you get going, people are like, well, who's there when you count the votes? What you were talking about before, you can be, you can, you can, uh, you have a constitutional right to be there observing counting the votes. And, you know, these places like, uh, you know, downtown Philadelphia or whatever, there wasn't very many uh, 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 people on our side that are there. And, and just your physical presence there does a lot. Yes, local politics is everything. I don't, uh, people should listen to, we, we had our uh, episode with, Marcus Allard has none of, none of these institutional things, and they're they're afraid of him. And you look at the policies that he's taken forth. One of the biggest th- reasons why it's such a great time to do this is that there's so many po- so you know we talk patronage, and policy doesn't really fit in patronage like right away. What does policy mean in patronage? Pol- policy is like your opening offer. It's like how you hook up with people. How you uh, uh, like you're, if you're just some guy and they're and they're the incumbent. The incumbent has an, a huge advantage against you. So how how can you sort of uh, uh, steal some these these relationships out from? Well, with policy and like what policies are out there. So uh, you know in Sweden he's there. There's a thing you know this immigration thing and no one wants to talk about it because if you're in the established thing, well that's perfect if you're a young up and coming guy. You got to say well. 
Uh, I'm not scared. I'll say this. Uh, I feel very strongly about this. We talked to Stefano uh, in, in in New York. In New York, uh, he's literally in New York City, and he's doing that right now. He, uh, uh, there's a good chance he's going to win. He spends every. He's 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 a young guy. He's going to run for office. He's, he did a little volunteering. Now he's he walks the streets every day. He talks to business owners. What do you want? And he lets people know I'm a young guy. I'm a, I'm not scared. I'm not part of these these established things. And I'm we're gonna, we're going to build some we're going to build something new. Yep. Stefano Forte running for state senate in New York. If anybody's listening, and you and you, he's he's in your district. Yeah, you're saying, well, I don't live in the south. People won't put up with this. Well, he's in damn New York City. He's walking around saying, uh, we're going we're going to do this. We're going to do that. These decrepit, just totally decrepit uh, 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 patronage machines in the South, full of, full of just useless people that, you know, in, in blood red districts. And, you know, you can get, a, you look at what the, the things available out there right now. So, uh, you know, there's a CRT thing going around. Before this CRT started, people started talking about the past 10 years, uh, uh, there's been a fully Republican, uh, the committee that approves the textbooks is like fully Republican. Past 10, 15 years, they've been approving them full of basically CRT. Uh, so guess what? If you're, you know, you're 30 years old, you, you get it, get in the mix there. You say, well, this is bullshit. I don't like this. Uh, and, and I'll, and, and, and I'll get rid of it. Uh, these, these, these people that are in there, these crusty, you know, they, they're not, they're scared of that because they have all these hookups and relationships that, that say they can't do that. You know? You've got moves that you can make as a, as a as a uh, as someone entering the system that these these incumbents can't make. These incumbents are scared. You see, uh, Beto today, uh, he said, uh, I, I I can't, I'm not going to stand. Uh, we can't teach uh, CRT in school. You know why I said that? Because he's been seeing people get rim rocked off this issue like all over the place. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you, the, the, you can get touched. You get touched in 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 uh, just a. a just a deep, the one of the deep blue, bluest places in California, in, in in San Francisco, just got just dumped on by uh, someone coming in, going against this stuff. And the people you're going against, they're going to be scared. To, they're going to be scared to go up against these things. Yeah, it, it, I, I think, I, I in, in getting ready for all this and getting to talk with y'all, I, I was thinking about how. In some of the legislation that I've seen, um, you're mentioning CRT. I, I've seen some. You know, whenever I was working for, uh, you know, for, for authorizing, you know, or, or protecting, you know, peoples who, who are, who are not wanting to have to take, you know, vaccines and having their jobs, you know, dependent upon it, which I, you know, a while back, you know, before all this stuff popped up, I, you know, or as COVID was popping up, I was working for the VA and they made it mandatory that we had to get vaxxed and I quit. Um, and that was, there was a lot of mm. things that, that led me to that. Cause I, it was, it was sort of, the VA is so paused. I mean, that's a whole, I, I don't, I'm not going to rant on that, but I, I could. No, I, I hear you. By the way, <laughs> the, 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 the medicine you, that I word medicine you took, that's what, that's what the queen of England took, didn't she? Yeah. Well, she, she's looking pretty good by the way. Well, like, what, 96? The, yeah. Well, the, this, this shouldn't be why it, it blows my mind that, that this has to be censored. Um, God, um, but but they're, they're, yeah, we'll literally have to yeah. bleep out you saying yeah. the I word. I, 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 apologize. I apologize. I, I, <laughs> no, no, it's, I mean, no, that, I, you shouldn't apologize. It's insane. That's we do. Yeah. But the point being is, is that there was legislation that was advanced to to protect that, um, or to protect physicians who who would prescribe it. Um, so 
I, people will th- will say that 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 just you know just being on the internet or or memeing doesn't do anything or you know all this all this you know talking or whatever, but it does. This stuff bleeds over into politics, um, it, and it, that's at least something. And it, you and you can make you know, all this stuff. This conversation that's happening online that has real world implications, um, and it does move the needle a bit um, in in real ways. So um, so yeah, th- th- there's there's no reason to despair. I mean, it's it's bad. It's going to get worse, um, but we have to keep plugging away. Um, it's going to be all right. In terms of like, is it bad or not? Like, it's so not bad. There, like, so much of this is just we didn't have no idea before social media. We just didn't. You didn't know. Like, like, uh, what do you you think the you think the colleges were were uh, uh, they they hate us? Okay, so let's just put it that way, right? So they hate <laughs> our, they hate our guts, and like, yeah. do you think that was in, like everyone knows that now? They'll tell you that now. But uh, yeah. do you think that was any that was any different ten years ago? No, you just didn't know about it. Uh, all these things that were going on, they were going on before. We just didn't know about it. They're, they're, uh, it, it's a it's a really great time. By the way, like even, if you look at the the ten people, so they just voted on the uh, on uh, uh, blocking the Russian uh, uh, oil and gas stuff, um, and this this was uh, like four hundred Republicans voted for it. Uh, every Democrat voted against it. Voted for it, except for um, Islamic woman and one other. <laughs> you mean Ilhan, Ilhan Omar? And, uh, and by the way, you know she's got a thing for good old boys. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> she, yeah, she's, she's like like slide into my DMs, fellas. <laughs> yeah, it, she. Uh, yeah, she. Yeah, she. She appreciates this. She. Uh, her last campaign, she. She took like half a million dollars of money they had donated to her was giving it to this uh of of yeah, her boyfriend uh, her white boyfriend it was yeah. a, a framer yeah uh they, they, <laughs> they, they, yeah he was framing houses out there uh he was a real good old boy but anyway what, what was the britney Spears husband name oh oh uh, yeah what's his name damn it that's a that's a that's a move right there you're getting taxpayer money from from your your from your uh sweetheart yeah. that's shout out shout out to that good old boy yeah anyways there's a there's a changing of the guard coming yeah you can feel it that that this this sort of post-war order is it's 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 kind of a dead man walking um they can feel it. The, the, yeah. the fear. They fear getting. Uh, you saw what happened in Georgia. Uh, uh, the, the, those primaries. They. They're right now. They're feeling themselves. And they're not scared of of us. And they're they're acting like uh, they're going to do all this neon neocon shit. Uh, there's there's fear in the back of the mind. They're going to get primary by some QAnon psycho. That's what we want. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, <laughs> we we have to. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, like, it's. It's not just a matter of like you know us, you know, being young and, and wanting to advance yourself in life. It's these people are willing to risk World War Three, like, like that's crazy. Like, like we're almost at war with Russia over what? Like because they invaded, but but why did they invade? Like, what what caused to upset the balance? It, like, we can't have these discussions. And I, yeah, I, was it Merrick? You had I was listening to the the. In, discussion y'all were having, I think we might have been with, with Jeff or with Fredo. Um, you played the clip of, uh, what was it? Um, yeah. yeah. New Victoria Newland. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And there, what was it? She was a, I had a thought. I swear. <laughs> yeah. She was saying, uh, it's, it, Rubio asked her, do, do, do they have chemical weapons or biological weapons in, in, in Ukraine? And she goes, 
they have biological research. It was like she never said she she ne- she like she's like well actually let's talk about the the biological labs yeah. that were protected. That's it. And and she, yeah, this is the same. She was mentioning uh, Russian propaganda yeah. and like this is this is their style. But but there was no discussion of all right. Well, does America do propaganda? And if so, what 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 would that be like? <laughs> yeah. Like like we can't talk about that. Um, and, and this is this is war. Like, like we are on the cusp of war, and and there again, there's there's already one going on, and I don't dis, I don't discount that or that there's an actual like people are dying, um, but it could get a lot worse, um, and and so, God, like like this would be a time to exercise extreme discretion and diplomacy, I would think, um, so hopefully that rules, but but just that that quote that you'd posted and heard her talking about how that's just Russian propaganda and that's their style and there's no mention of what <laughs> it's, it's like. a classic Russian strategy to accuse you yeah, yeah it's a <laughs> classic Russian strategy to accuse your opponent of the thing you're doing yeah uh, wow those devious Bruce yeah are. yeah oh Ivan you got us that one at yeah, that time <laughs> yeah uh I, I've never got that from Russians I, I've I've uh, uh Hang out with a bunch of Russians. I know two things about Russians. Number one, the Russian women, uh, they love designer clothes. God, if we, the one thing that could end this war is if, if we, if we ban, like, uh, you know, if you can't get Prada and shit over there, they, uh, you know, that, that might be the one thing that could, could stop this. They are, <laughs> the other thing is very funny. The Russian, uh, uh, when the Russians talk about other Europeans, and this is kind of a European thing in general, they, like, the main, um, Main thing they say when they're talking shit about other Europeans, the Russians, they say, oh, they're cheap. They're cheap. You know what I mean? They, uh, uh, they, they'll stick you with the bill and they, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a very, it's very, it's, it's not, we don't have that in America. People don't, that's not like a common slur. Like, oh, those people are so damn cheap, you know? They run different. I, I was surprised by that. I, I took a, a couple of semesters of Russian, and my, one of my Russian professors, he was, you know, he's full-on Russian, and he used to teach at, like, the Defense Whatever Institute. And uh, they were really blunt. And, and I, I'm used to, you know, you, you, there's a certain, like, politeness and tact that, you know, you need to conduct yourself with and all that. But they would just, yeah. he was really blunt. And, and I wasn't, you could tell, like, they're running off a different wavelength than you are. But yeah, the uh, Russian women, they, they tell their, they always tell their daughters they're fat, even if they're, they're super <laughs> yeah. skinny. Yeah. It, nobody, nobody smiles either. Nobody smiles, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what made you interested uh, in taking Russian? I, uh, just getting out, the, get, getting out of the service and then traveling. And I was thinking, you know, what, I, uh, you coming off a of war, I was thinking like, it'd be good to get into diplomacy. You know, maybe like work in the State Department or maybe, you know, you know, mm-hmm. in the, or in intelligence or something like that. And I, I thought, you know, I should learn Russian because um, it's not as bad as Chinese, I would imagine. And, and you know, there's, you know, after the, you know, we're after the Cold War, like, you know, there's, it's this whole other civilization. You know, it could be interesting and, you know, it couldn't hurt. And so I, I, I took up Russian. Um, but, man, that was... That it's funny to look back and like that. I was so naive. I, I had no idea what I was getting into because it's like you come to realize like all these theories that govern these people after a while. It's like we blew up the Nazi Death Star, and the big takeaway was that the world's too small to have individual countries, and we have to have this 
system of overarching global system of governance that's going to coincidentally enough be run by us. <laughs> it's just so crazy. Uh, how many people in the whole entire world have, have been saying like, um, uh, we need a Marshall plan for us. Uh, we need a Marshall plan for it. everybody in the whole world has been holding out for that Marshall plan. Uh, that, that was a, <laughs> that was a one time <laughs> deal. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be the only industrialized nation left standing. Yeah. You got a new article out in, in I'm 1776. People need to just give traffic there anyways. Uh, that's, it's yeah, you need to read his book, <laughs> Breakfast with the Dirt Cult. I, I appreciate it, fellas. Michael Anton reviewed it and thought it was and thought it was really good. And Michael Anton's got like an IQ like 530. So, <laughs> that is the, that's the smartest dude. I Yeah. Oh, boy's got some bandwidth. <laughs> that, that's how you get to be White House communication, guys. We talked. We talked to a lot of people who were who were very smart, but like that was the first person, even more than even more than Yarvin, which is saying something. Like you could just feel that this is somebody several standard deviations higher than you, uh, like on the IQ level. Just he's, his mind's working at a faster speed. His processor's going quicker than yours. It was. It was. But yeah, it, like so, somebody like that says that you're. You know, people need to read your book. That's a feather in your cap, in my opinion. Well, I, I'm obliged yep. to him for that because uh, he was, for one thing, to just to be able to to just answer somebody's you know random request to like, hey, read my book, and he did it. But on top of that, he wrote a really good review, or <laughs> very flattering at least, and he talked about our people. Um, you know, like, like that. The, these are the Jacksonians. These are the people who actually fight your wars, and they they're being betrayed. And that you need to Hell you yeah. need to you need to look that problem in the eye. Um. And and, and that that he was kind of I, I felt like he was he saw what I was trying to say by telling the story and, and and convey that in a way that that I I think ties into a lot of the stuff that's going on, um and so I I appreciate him for that and I appreciate y'all for giving me the shout out and and taking the time to come you know to invite me to sit with y'all. Your book is great, especially the southerner those you know, phrase in there like uh, uh, you ought to be horse whipped and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> 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 uh, the, the pleasure's all ours, though, man. You're like you're legitimately a hero. No, you know, no, no, you, no, no. Thanks for talking. The guy driving the FedEx truck in Virginia is a hero. I, I just, I, just, I was just there for a couple of years, but there's... that's what every hero says. I'm not a hero. But the people no. around me are heroes. Yeah, that, that makes you a hero too. Sorry, I, I, no take no, back. I, I'm obliged, but no. I, when they make the uh, dirt cult movie, we will. Uh, I'm certainly going to tell every, every girl at every bar in town that that's my buddy. I used to show all the time. That's Daniel. <laughs> exactly. We'll get y'all to come out at the premiere. We'll have a we'll have a live stream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I would like to be played by Josh Lucas. <laughs> okay. Go. So, uh, last last question, just because. Uh, so we love guns. And I know guns, sometimes people that are even real badass in the military, like afterwards, they're like, well, that was just a tool. I mean, so guns are tools. So sometimes people uh, sort of have a lot of interest in them uh, uh, with military service. Sometimes they don't. Do you shoot recreationally? Oh, I, I shoot recreate more for I don't know, training, recreation. It all kinds of bleeds over. I, I'm not one of those types of people that you mentioned. I, I will just say, like I, 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 I respect, I respect firearms. I like firearms. I have a shit ton, or at least what I consider to be. Um, so, like, I, I'm okay with them. You, you have a, you have a tricked out AR. A lot of guys, they're like they 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 build the AR that they they wish they had when they were in the service. You know. No, actually, I, I've got a pretty bare bones one 
just because I had to carry that damn thing. And, and like I, the one I had to carry, it, it had the like the two hundred three attachment. For those that don't know, like the two hundred three, that's like a grenade mm-hmm. attachment. It's got like this little like you know you like go you know like with a shotgun. It's the the pump action, but it's you put a, a great big grenade in it and you shoot it. And it like it, and then you had the you know the the uh, they watch predator the red light and all that other kind of laser and all that you know for night shooting. I hated that shit because it made it so heavy. So like I've got a real just stripped down one. I've got like a red dot on it, and that's it. Uh, that's that's I, what I got. My uh, I tried to build mine under six pounds. Uh, yeah, it's it's no joke when you got to actually carry the weight, and that's what people forget is like you know you're you're you've got to carry like that that M4 and you know a, a combat load which is like seven magazines. You generally want to have you have like you know three in one pouch, three in another pouch, one in the magazine. So that's you know two hundred ten rounds or something like that. And um, like that gets heavy because you're not just carrying ammo, you're carrying like water, equipment, your be this, that, and the other. And like that shit gets heavy. And so like any any ounce that you don't have to carry is a good thing. So I like a strip, I like it just as stripped down as I can. But hell yeah. It's even uh I had I had a Ruger um Ruger American 308 rifle. It's like a hunting rifle, whatever. You know, Magpul makes this badass stock for it. It looks, it's real cool. Like American, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's called, but uh, the, in the Ruger one that came with it, I mean, it was just nothing. Like it, there's hardly anything to it. I put this badass stock on it and, and it weighed like two or three more pounds. And even, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, uh, hauling this thing across the the desert, but just, just sort of like the way it moves in your hand. It's just, it, it, it just, it felt like shit after, uh, after it just became this big old heavy log where it used to be just so, I don't know. It is a totally different gun. It makes a difference. <laughs> and I, I impose upon you for a couple of minutes because this brings up the subject that, that I think is oh. interesting. Because it's, yeah, it's as much as talking, you want. Much you this want. is a guy's talking guns and shit, and it's about to talk about some women. Um, so no shit there I was Tokyo, right? And I'm in this bar, and it's like drinky girl bar where like a lot of girls are like working girls. Mm. And, and like I don't speak Japanese, so spoiler alert. And so like, I, I, I'm in this like gaijin district, a bunch of drink girls and like me and the, this like Chinese businessman. And like, I, the more I drink, the more I understand them. So we're like wingmen, but we don't understand each other's language, but we're drunk. So it works. Um, so anyways, this, this girl walks in and she, I find out later that she had like tried out for, for playboy and then like they kicked her back. Cause she was like, I don't know, like they told her to lose five pounds or something. Like it was ridiculous, but this girl's hot. And she walks in, and she's so hot, like, everybody just knew to look at the door. Like, she's that kind of hot. All right. Oh, yeah. I mentioned, I mentioned that. <laughs> she's got a great she's got grab. Yeah. Like, 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 I don't know if ever, anybody's ever seen it, but it's like, you just know, without even thinking. You just. The, just the, this is important, because, like, on, on the internet, on the internet, and people with all these filters and stuff like that, people act like, uh, you know, every girl in the world is hot. No, no. There's a certain type of thing that you see a couple times a year where you're. Uh, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah, it's like she's like designed by a man. <laughs> like, 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 like that woman is just like it's like mm-hmm. the pheromones get you first, kind of. And um, anyways, mm-hmm. I mentioned that because we, you know, no shit there was Afghanistan, and you know we're we're, you know, we're downrange and we're we have a we have a designated marksman. Every squad I think had one, and that's the guy who's going to be doing your long range shooting, and they give them M one A's. He's like in between an infantryman and a, and a sniper, right? Yeah, kind of. And, and it's a, it, yeah, this is like a, basically like a, an M1 Garand only, you know, it's like, you know, box fed, all that kind of stuff. Um, but so it's like, this is an old fashioned kind of technology where it's like, it's like a wood stock 
you know, this like walnut stock and it's like, you know, blued steel. And so, you know, we're, we've been, you know, we've, ever, since everybody's been in basic, you know, we're all running M4s and, or, you know, the 240, or the 240 Bravo or the saw. And, uh, they open up the, 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 the crate for the, uh, you know, for this M14 or, you know, the M1A or whatever. And, uh, they open it up and they bring that out. And it was like looking at that girl. Like everybody just turned and looked, you know, for this like, <laughs> this, this like Woodstock with the blued steel and it's like, and, and you'd feel it. And, and like my squad leader, you know, the salty Virginia is like, that's a goddamn weapon right there. <laughs> and it's just like, the, you, you, you're used to your M4, but you, you handle that thing. And it's like, that's a whole, like, it's just different. Uh, have you seen, uh, there's an old, uh, uh, like a, a public access series in, they made in Canada was well, a guy named Gwen Dyer. He's a historian who had he had been in the British military, the United States military, and the Canadian military. It's really good. It, it it basically teaches you like about war and military from like almost every aspect. There's like one aspect that's like just an hour of like what it's like to uh, be be an officer. One that's like uh, you know uh, go through basic blah, blah blah. And there's one episode where he's talking about weapons, and and he's in like one of these big armories, like a, you know the United Kingdom or whatever. And uh, he goes to I can't remember which which first gun he had, but he had some World War One or World War Two gun that was beautiful, just like you said. And he and he and he's and he's got. It. He says it's made to type tolerances by a fine craftsman, and it's it's blued blued. Uh, I don't know if people know. So like a, like bluing, I can't get into it, but it's very difficult. It's very expensive to do. And anyways, uh, and so he says this gun is beautiful, and it was made to be so. Uh, and he goes into all the reasons why 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 that goes into all the honor and stuff like that. Uh, it was an infield, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that, that that's right. Uh, uh, I don't know if people, it's too much to get into right now, but there are reasons why there's all these kinds of, uh, he, he goes to the, he goes to the officer's club and the officers were doing this kind of ritual that they do every now and then. And he's like, it's too much to explain what honor means and, and why it's there. But anyways, he said that gun was made to be beautiful. And that was part of it. And then anyways, then he goes and picks up an Uzi and he says that th this change from these beautiful weapons to this thing, like an Uzi, that's just a, it's just a, it's a uh, it's just a tool. A stamped metal, yeah, piece of. <laughs> People yeah. talk about this with watches, right? So, like, um, there's some watches that are made to be beautiful, and some of them that like they look cool. They call them tool watches, which means that like this was this is this is just a pure function thing, and that and that that transition to the Uzi to the M4, uh, it also changed the world a bit. But anyway, so th there is a huge difference, but it, and it's just a very it reminded me of that because he compares that uh, that one to that one. But you had that right there in that same war where you you were the same war where one guy has this thing that's that's beautiful that is made to the tightest tolerances that you could pop somebody from a thousand yards with to your thing, which is like uh, you know it, it rattles and shakes. It's made out of aluminum, and, and you know what I mean. Yeah, well, it's y'all have talked a, a lot recently about uh, about cars and kind of the direction things are going and how you you have these new ones and it's almost like they're disposable and and you, you could say like well this is all just technology and it's all just tools anyways mm. at the end of the day but it's like drive an electric car now and then like I think of like my my mom and dad's like seventy seven Buick Special and like you turn that thing up and it's like whoa 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 and it just it feels different. And it's just a completely different animal, and, and everything is analog, and it's plush seat. Yeah, and it's like it's it's you and this 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 machine, and the machine is I, there's just a whole thing that happens that doesn't with this new stuff. 
I mean, like I've got like a 2016 Chevy Colorado and then I've got like, it's, I, I will not, if I don't see it again tomorrow, if I sell it, in, it won't mean nothing to me. But like my first truck was like a 1976 Chevy Silverado and like a straight six and like three, three yeah. on the tree. And I, 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 that, that means something to me in a way that the, the these current ones don't, um, there's just something that goes into it with the, the heft and the art of it. And it's, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's just like the weird, like dork started running everything. I don't know. Well, it's it's, it's uh, uh, to use the gun analogy. The bog beef one. There's a, the even better example was you know when the war started, uh, the army was using like the the Tommy gun, right? The M1 submachine gun. It's like it's got like a woodstock. It's a it's a it's not a beautiful beautiful gun, but it, there's something aesthetic about it. And then halfway through the war, they realized you know if we just put stamp together some like piece of shit monstrosity. We could make we could make you know two of these for every one of uh, for every one Tommy gun we're making and we'll, you know, it'll, it'll be a great and then so the, you know the grease gun was born and it's like the ugliest gun <laughs> created in human history and they re- they replaced like you know the Al Capone uh, Chicago street sweeper with this ugly postmodern piece of shit it's like that's just that's what happened with everything it, 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 there's it, it's slightly more efficient for every car like a gay space age egg so that's what it's going to be now. Yeah, the, no, the, the thing with the mafia thing is totally. Uh, there was a woman, an act, accident, they act, the WNBA accidentally drafted a straight woman <laughs> like, two or three years ago. Yeah, I remember didn't that. Know. <laughs> they, they didn't know. She was like, she was just good at basketball. You know what I mean? Uh, she, and she's, yeah, she was a, like a, a conservative Christian lady, but she joined the, the WNBA, I guess, not realizing <laughs> that it was like a. a, um, a, a, a All right. So uh, we've had a, we've had a great time. Uh, uh, thank you for coming on the show. You're doing, you're doing great things. And uh, you got new article on I am 1776, but your, your, your book is on Amazon. They've got a Kindle version. Uh, everyone should get, everyone should get your book before the movie comes out. This is uh, Breakfast with a Dirt Cult, Samuel Finlay. Finlay with an A. Breakfast with a Dirt Cult. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank y'all. Thank you for having me on. Making their way the only way they know how. That's just a